Hello, everybody, and welcome to something that isn't Crossfade, the dueling album review show about expanding your musical horizons. My name is Ben Hansen, host of the MinMax Show podcast and The Deepest Dives, which is what this is about. At MinMax, which is the parent organization, what would you call it, for Crossfade here, we have a show that's called The Deepest Dive, which is a huge community game club discussion. We post The Deepest Dives on YouTube, but then we offer the podcast version of these discussions in the Patreon-exclusive podcast feed. So if you support MinMax on Patreon at the $5 tier, you get the podcast version of all of The Deepest Dives, which include Metroid Dread, Dead Space, Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, and Yuffie's DLC, of course, Mass Effect 1, Batman Arkham Asylum, Cyberpunk 2077, Spider-Man Miles Morales, The Thing, it's a very fun cross-media one, Super Mario 64, Halo 1, The Last of Us Part 2, What Remains of Edith Finch, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Chrono Trigger, and The Outer Worlds. These are timeless discussions. It's fun to take the deepest dive into these beloved games and beyond. But here's the thing. This is free week here at MinMax, so we wanted to give people the option of listening to the podcast version of The Deepest Dive on Final Fantasy VII Remake for free. So with The Deepest Dive, we take great games and we break them up into multiple sections to have the best, most thorough discussion about the games on the internet. So this is not covering all of Final Fantasy VII Remake. This is just covering the first fourth of the game. You'll understand when you listen to it. So hopefully, if you came over to here to listen to this, you discover our music podcast, Crossfade, hosted by Matt Helgeson and Jason Daphnis. It's wonderful. Dig back through the back catalog here. My favorite episode is one about Van Halen, but Kyle Hilliard was on talking about Blink-182. Jenna Garcia was on talking about Foo Fighters. There's a lot of very good stuff in here. And also, kind of like a deepest dive, it's timeless. So dig through, check it out. You'll find something you like, we promise. So, this episode itself, the deepest dive on Final Fantasy VII Remake. Just for a time and a place, this was really right when the pandemic started. And so some of the audio quality for the people calling in is not as good as the other ones, but stick with it. Uh, it's my favorite deepest dive we've ever done. Hopefully you enjoy this tease of what it's like to listen to the deepest dive as a podcast. And if you've enjoyed MinMax's content over the last two years because it's our second anniversary. That's what we're doing the whole free week for. If you've enjoyed our content over the last two years, you can go to patreon.com slash minmax and jump in and unlock the podcast version at that $5 tier for all of our other deepest dives. You also get access to MinMax Council, which is our Patreon-exclusive podcast, podcast version of Max Spoilers, all of our interviews. There's a ton of stuff in there. So please Enjoy the deepest dive on Final Fantasy VII Remake, recorded back in April of 2020. Thanks so much for your support, and Crossfade will return in the new year, everybody, so this is not the end of the feed. Thanks so much, everybody. Oh, also, I guess we talk about how great the music is in Final Fantasy VII Remake, so we hope you enjoyed the discussion as well. All right, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the deepest dive from Midmax. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Jeff Marchiafava. Hey! Kyle Hilliard. Hi! Uh, Grant Bullimer. Hello. And my best friend, Ronnie. Hello! So, uh, Ronnie, this is probably the first time a lot of people have heard your voice. Grant, they're very familiar with from Min Snacks. He's the chef right. there. Uh, he was on an episode of A Fire Inside Out. It was out of this world. Uh, Ronnie uh, is the reason I'm into Final Fantasy VII in the first place. Uh, he got me to this game in sixth grade. He lent That's it right. to me, as I guess you're supposed to say in the English language. 
Mm-hmm. Well, um, that's that's almost right. I actually borrowed it to you. And uh... <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So what this is, this is the best, most thorough discussion about the Final Fantasy VII Remake on the internet. This is the deepest dive. Uh, what we've done is we've taken the massive game, Final Fantasy VII Remake, even though Square broke it up into chunks already, it's confusing. We're taking one of their chunks and then breaking that up into four distinct chunks. And we're going to have four huge discussions about it fueled by the MinMax community over on Patreon. So for this first installment, we're covering everything in the Final Fantasy VII Remake through Chapter 4. So up until you're getting on a train. So we're going to be spoiling everything within that chunk. We're not spoiling anything after. And at the same time, um, Ronnie and Grant and I really love Final Fantasy VII. For Ronnie and I, it's our favorite game of all time, yes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But here's the thing. I don't want to spoil anything from the elitist Final Fantasy VII original crowd. I think there's a certain know-it-allism going around the internet, and so hopefully we won't be doing too much of that, like, huh, wink, wink, I wonder what that moment meant. <laughs> like, like we're somehow enlightened beings because we played this video game 20 years ago. Yeah, I think I'm going to ball out here. <laughs> uh, but Kyle and Jeff, this is your first time playing, yes? That's right. I have purposely yeah. avoided Final Fantasy for this long, <laughs> uh, but they finally got me. That's amazing. And Kyle, what is your experience? So I've I've started it a number of times, and playing the remake actually has reminded me that I, I think I got further than I ever gave myself credit for. Because uh, I'm definitely not past the point of the furthest I ever got when I played it. So did you, limited experience overall. Did you leave Midgar originally? I think I got really close to leaving Midgar. I was on a motorcycle. I had some people oh. in my party that weren't in the game yet. Okay. Oh, man. Well, yeah. that's very complicated then. We'll figure out exactly where you're at <laughs> and how that feels. But hey, if you're playing the remake, maybe the motorcycle stuff comes up earlier than you think. But yeah, the overall uh, idea here is to give this remake the discussion deserves it deserves. So if you enjoy this, please share it with a friend. Um, at the same time, if you want to stop watching the video version because Jeffum is staring with his cold, dead eyes, and you'd rather <laughs> listen to the audio version, if you support MinMax on Patreon at the $5 tier, you unlock the audio-exclusive Patreon feed, uh, which is going to be filled with not only early episodes of the MinMax show, but all of our big YouTube content like the Max spoilers, um, commentary tracks for Advent Children, a lot of fun stuff in there. And so check that out if you like the audio version of all of our Deepest Dives, including previous Deepest Dives on Animal Crossing and Chrono Trigger and Outer Worlds and more in the future. Okay. Uh, Love it. People have been amazing. Not only have a lot of new people signed up for our Patreon to submit comments on the Final Fantasy VII Remake, so thank you. Uh, I hope you enjoy the show overall. But uh, we've never had this much feedback. Like normally, let's say for Chrono Trigger, maybe like the first episode of Chrono Trigger when we're asking for feedback on the first third of that game, we got maybe like 110 comments. And I was like, oh my God, this is a lot to sort through. For the first chunk here on our Patreon page, we got 230 comments. Oh, And these weren't right. like, these weren't like Tifa's hot. It was like, <laughs> here's four pages of my thoughts on the game. So it took a long time to boil down. Thank you for everybody that submitted stuff. In the future, if we could just shorten it a little bit, because there was a lot of editing on my part and I, I hope I kept uh, your messages intact, but there's a lot of stuff to get through. And so again- you want to get it down to a, a Tifa's hot is what you would like. Yeah, I don't know why everybody's not just saying Tifa's hot. Uh, no, I did something in ten times. But um, <laughs> other than, other than that, would you rather just out of my own curiosity, yeah. would you rather have people like say like, hey, here's ten hot takes that I have on this game, or would you rather just like have them put one thing and then just expand on that one thing? No, my ten hot takes are saying listing out ten characters that are hot. 
Ten times Tifa. No, I mean like. Everybody knows junk dealer. There's a lot of hotties in this game without a doubt. Uh, but no, uh, Ronnie, I, I think you write whatever you want. I'll sort through it. But if it's just like we're going for specific comments in there, and we'll get to all that stuff later. But there's so much to get through here. Um, I have kept myself as pure as possible. Somebody messaged me something today completely in an unnecessary way that I think spoiled something, and it was the most confusing spoiler I've ever read in my life. So if it's true, my mind is reeling. Um, oh no! How's everybody else doing? Just for dodging spoilers overall for this thing. I saw a fat chocobo online. Okay, easy. all right, easy, buddy. We could cut <laughs> you off this call at any point, Ronnie. It seemed like you were devastated by YouTube. I, I it wasn't that I was devastated by YouTube. I, I just got to a point where I was so sick of having things spoiled by YouTube. Just for you know, games in the last five years. Yeah. It was a it was a very minor spoiler, but it was just something that like I didn't know. It's something that it, like the context of that is already in the game that we played up to this far. It just confirms that something does in fact happen, and so it was just this like ugh. Okay. Kind of thing, you know? All right. I'm so worried about it. Yeah, it's it's been tough. Even listening to like other podcasts, like they're saying that they're not spoiling it, but the way they're phrasing things, it's like, oh no, now it's framed right. in this way in my mind. So I've been trying to skip everything. Um, yeah, you're never as smart as you think with that kind of thing. You absolutely yeah. everyone always makes that, oh, oh, don't worry, this isn't a spoiler, but ooh, I'm gonna dance around it. And it's like, well, yeah. I know exactly what you're saying now, you jerk. Right, yeah. It's it's not that hard to put it into context and like mm-hmm. figure out where the story goes from there. Yeah. Um, okay. Not that I don't value Kyle and and Jeff I'm here, but I am dying to know, Ronnie, since I feel like this game is very important to us and the remake is very important to us. Right. What do you think of Final Fantasy VII Remake? Uh, well, I started a church. Just a new <laughs> religion. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's way more than I could have possibly imagined. Like, like, even if I were to, you know, just wish upon a star that a Final Fantasy VII remake would happen, this would ex- exceed those expectations. <laughs> so they're better than a genie or a god over there at Square Enix? Is that your conclusion? That's correct. <laughs> Grant, what do you think of this so far? Uh, so... I've had Mincenecks producer Amy uh, watching over my shoulder for portions of it. Yeah. Um, and she seems to think that portions of it are cheesy. And meanwhile, I'm just loving it, okay. honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah. The things that she's saying are cringeworthy. I'm, I'm <laughs> it's hitting me hard at times, and I, I really enjoy it so far. There is an interesting divide in a lot of the comments, because, oh, my God, we have so many comments to get through, everybody, um, about how people are reading the tone. But Jeff, um, as a complete rookie, has it has it? sitting on you is that a phrase yeah uh yeah it's sitting, sitting on me good uh, i've i've been really enjoying it my wife has also been watching it and she's she's pointed out some things that she you know says are annoying um i there there are certainly some things that i think we'll get to later um in this episode that that really just wowed me but but oh. overall uh I have been enjoying it and I've just been taking it as, you know, I don't play a lot of JRPGs and so I'm just going to go all in on this one. And if, you know, the, the quirkiness is fine with me. I'm, 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 and like the tone is just so, so nice and, and spirited, you know, like, like it's like everyone is just so very positive and, and really, you know, trying to do their best and everything that, 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 that's okay. If that's a little cheesy. They're the most positive bombers. Except for Barrett, who's just, 
pissed all the time. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah, I but he's pissed different. because he cares so much about the That's earth, true. you know? Okay, you know what? Let's dive right into it, Kyle, because you brought it up. But real quick, do you want to uh, give your quick taste, Kyle? Oh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I, I There's definitely some cheesiness to it, but, like, I'm with you guys and Jeff. Um, it's just, like, it's very earnest, and I, I'm enjoying it. it. There is a little bit, which you're probably going to shake your head at me, Hanson, of yeah. just that a little bit of, like, it takes a, a little bit too long for characters to talk to each other, which is like a, a Kingdom of Hearts uh, oh, issue. Don't say it. And like, so that that part kind of like, all, all right, come on. But like, like overall, just I'm still I'm having a great time. I didn't want to stop. And by the way, you you are a saint for getting the game early and playing as little as you did and having to wait as long as you have because I'm sure it's yeah. been killing you. It, well, it killed me less because I replayed it again like the first four (laughs) chapters i've gone through it twice now including like for how much i've played that opening section then also stream chapter two so i've gone through these sections a fair amount at this point so that alleviated it and also i am in love with it i'm I'm in ronnie's camp you know i talked about on the min max show podcast is how i think it's it's just unbelievable it's so silly but the second time playing through it the, the note that i took is just like it just it proves that the dorks won you know that oh wow we have won culture at this point when a company like square enix is pouring hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to bring jesse to life it's like that's it like my my taste for the last 23 years have been validated everything yeah. is right with the world <laughs> and so my point is that like i'm sure i'll come in uh, come into contact with a lot of things later on in the game that will drive me nuts or maybe frustrate me but right now it is so pure and so good and there's a couple things from like ah, that's like the worst it gets you know and so I don't mind playing through these, this opening section again and again and just savoring it. Um, but here we go. Here's here's a good place to start with the community comments. Brian, Wait, hang on, hang on. Be- yeah. Before we start that, can I just want to say that uh, the the two words there uh, that both, uh, well, that Jeff and Kyle said was earnest and spirited. And I think that like perfectly encapsulates the first few chapters. Yeah. And it's, I just, I love that. And it's weird for, I mean, I think, the original game set such an amazing tone for Midgar, but kind of the uplifting nature that you're finding in it, Jeffem, is new in my mind. There's always like a layer and it's kind of like focused on certain characters we can talk about later in the original game. And in this one, it does feel more stretched out and it's more of like, it's less of just a heavy oppressive tone. Like, look at this crappy city. What are you going to do about it? Which I think (laughs) was what the original game was getting at. Um, But uh, Brian Regal says, I'm not sure why, but during the beginning cutscene, my eyes got a little watery when that famous tune started and Aerith walking down the alley and then the camera pulling back to show all of Midgar. I never really finished the original Final Fantasy VII. I was somewhat taken aback by how much nostalgia it affected me so much. Um, And then Mark Cruz follows it up and says, Buckle up, Ben, because this game means more to me than you can imagine. Uh, <laughs> and then he wrote a very long entry about how he found Game Informer, which is wild, through our game club of Final Fantasy VII that we did years ago. You can check that out on Game Informer's YouTube channel. still fun. Uh, oh, and, and so Mark says, hey, the moment where you meet Aerith and you can hear her theme in the background, the tears began and the emotions didn't stop until the stopping point of this game club. So I have a question for the panel. What parts of this section of the game elicited the strongest feelings for you? Oh man, I mean it's by a mile. It's the uh just the introduction. The the intro video um Which I've watched five or six times now and I, I get I get the chills every time I see it. And it's when the title I, comes up? Yeah, it's when the yeah, the title comes up and that just it's that, that crescendo of music happens. And my um 
I like physically float up in the air. <laughs> but and that's you, happened like five or six times now. So. You had it from the demo though. It, does it have a different effect or like is the same feeling with the demo? It's the same feeling. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it has not dissipated yet. So, um, it's such that's, a, I hear you. It's such a weird one for me where it's both times now. Well, I guess all three times, although when we were streaming it, I felt it a little bit less. But for me, it is the moment right after the discussion with Aerith um, and the ball set goes fly around for a bit. And then it's the <laughs> transition into the combat when the classic battle theme starts. For some oh, yeah. reason, it is that moment in Chapter 2. Even replaying it, I got goosebumps. Like, it is just because it's just this feeling of like, bam, Sephiroth, bam, Aerith. Bam, amazing version of the battle theme, and bam, into amazing combat that looks fantastic. And it's just that yeah. sequence slays me. Yeah. Uh, Grant, anything for you? I know you have ice water in your veins, but... Honestly, it's the opening sequence. Um, and even just thinking about it right now, it's it's still hitting me right now just thinking about it. I'm not even watching <laughs> yeah. it. I don't know what's wrong with me. Something's changed. <laughs> wow. And you're you're no softy, Grant. Really, you're a, you're a badass over there. Uh, I mean, that's that might be too far. I, I I just don't get like super emotionally connected to stuff. But that opening theme when Aerith is just uh, hanging out by the pipe of Mako there, yeah, I, it's just the first few notes with the the train and the the peel back to the Midgar. It's it's so good. I love it so much. Yeah, Giovanni Diamico has an amazing take and he says and we're going to do the thing that I said we weren't going to do and I'm sorry but he says hey guys first time playing any version of Final Fantasy 7 and I'm loving it that opening holy damn moly and I just love that he talks about the opening scene and says holy damn moly which is very fun for a cheeky <laughs> nod but anyways um, okay talking about the intro here this may be so obvious and it wasn't until I read this comment this is the amazing thing about taking the hive mind of the internet and like these huge Final Fantasy 7 fans and they just put things into a perspective it's like oh I'm an idiot so Stephen Herrera says did anyone else notice the 1900 style outfits for the kids in the introduction video given all the generally fu futuristic character designs and most of their characters they feel really out of place and then Andrew Valla comments with this humdinger saying I'm fairly confident the introduction video takes place years if not decades before the game starts it shows Midgar's construction before the plate and hints at the effects the Mako reactors will have on the land when they focus on the wilting flower. And I was like, that's insane. That can't be right. And I go back and look at it. It definitely is, I don't know about the exact timing of how many, how much time it is before, but it definitely is about like the building of the Mako reactor and about Midgar overall. There's so much construction equipment everywhere. Their clothing is looking different. And then the kids on the playground, right before they look up at like the first Mako reactor, like, exploding into the sky uh like all the lights in the playground turn on like they have electricity for the first time did anybody else pick up on this hmm. no no okay. no that, that's way too smart for me <laughs> i always i was under the assumption it was uh like slum life versus top plate life that's that's how i interpret it as well wait so oh so in the slums they are they dress like they're in the 1900s and they have like the old-fashioned bikes and stuff well yeah just like yeah poverty versus wealth yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Scott Castro says, what the heck time period am I supposed to believe this is taking place in? There are vintage 40s and 50s vehicles, but digital road signs and clearly some kind of giant reactor at the center of the city. The world is incredible, but in terms of chronology, it seems all over the place. That I love Does that. Does that I think, matter, though? I don't know. That, I don't even think about that. This is a fantasy world. I don't know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's steampunk, you know, chaos. But yeah. that's one of my favorite things about the original game, too, is just what a mess Midgar is overall. Like, you know, uh, we're going to talk about it later, but just languages mashed together, styles, which I think 
is a lot of the original Final Fantasy VII is just like this weird hodgepodge held together by shoestring of technology back in the day and stuff. And so I love the idea that like, yeah, it's steampunk, but then all the cars, it almost looks like Cuba or something, just in honor of you, Mr. Scott Castro. Um, you know, where it's just this weird thing where it's like all the cars are like from the 50s, but they're next to this really high-tech stuff. And even right. it's confusing because at a certain point, Jesse's like, Woohoo! We're public enemy number one. Woo! Thank God! Thank God! Shinra doesn't know what her faces look like. It's like they have cameras, sure, surely in this city, right? Like, and you are all wearing bandanas. Just put them over your face while you're committing terrorism, for the love of Christ. Yeah, yeah. They can they can scan everyone's IDs as the train is going down a tunnel, but they don't have a CCTV setup. Well, it turns out that they do, because then you see like Shinra was watching them, but it's just weird that like right. Jesse, mm-hmm. who's supposed to be on top of the tech, is not aware of that right well maybe it's like it was it worked in the original game because those uh poly- polygonal models were just like <laughs> unrecognizable muddy messes and now that they've like upgraded them it's like well wait hold on a second this doesn't work but i guess we got to keep it going <laughs> wait so you're saying shinra just couldn't recognize who they were because they couldn't recognize facial features back in the day yeah. what they have mouths now <laughs> wait, how come, wait when they're in combat they look completely different than when they're walking around what they're shapeshifters get them Uh, So, beating down Brian, friend of the show, real saint here, he says, This is something Ben asked about during the stream of the original Midgar, which is on our YouTube channel. But in both the remake and the original game, you start at level 6, hitting level 7 if you fight the first two grunts, which is a very cute touch. Right. Yeah, I noticed that. Is that you think that that's on purpose? I mean, I guess. Why, what other number would it be, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. This game yeah. loves the number seven. I don't know if you picked up on that, but they really love shoving it down your throat, which is not too shabby. Uh, Connor here says, as someone who has absolutely no attachment to the original Final Fantasy VII, I feel like I'm going crazy. People are going nuts over this game. And while I like it enough so far, I definitely don't think it's worth all the praise it's getting. Yes, it looks good, but the environments are pretty static, and non-player NPCs around Midgar look bad. The story concept and themes are interesting, but there's still a ton of those awkward JRPG character interactions that don't quite land or linger just a bit too long. The combat works pretty well, but it basically feels like the combat in Kingdom Hearts. At least it feels pretty button mashy. Maybe I'm missing something, but I'm trying to find what is making this game worthy of so much praise as out of people's nostalgia for it. I'm at a bit of a loss. Do you feel this way? Um, I have uh, booted them from the Patreon, Ronnie, so don't worry. <laughs> I, I was you. Gonna, I Take think, your money back. I, I was going to say, he can go ahead and unsubscribe. What's <laughs> uh, <laughs> your catchphrase? Uh, <laughs> no, I, but I, uh, I think all of his points are valid. Um, there is a part of me that's just like, I, I do see those awkward moments and those just weird timed grunts and just uh oh oh yeah what you know it, it, it it's, it's cloud are you on the line <laughs> it's, it's pretty frequent and uh th- those are things that like i i take note of and it, it's it's a little bit grating but like in between those times there's just something else that's far more interesting that catch that catches my attention um, it's yeah. funny that that commenter singles out the combat because, like, the combat yeah. has been one of my favorite things. Oh, I, good. It's very Final Fantasy 15, but like with a lot more depth to it. So I, that's been some of my favorite stuff. It's just fighting. I just love the way it looks, and I think it's super fun. Yeah, Jeff, I know we try and be positive here at Min Max, but do you have a little bit of that? I know you're not plugged into Twitter because you're a healthy human being, but do you have a little bit of that of like, all right, cool it, everybody. I understand it's nostalgic, but it's still a square game in the end here. Uh, no, I, I think the. There, there. I did. There was the point where I noticed. I, you know, the entire question this time has been, can they keep the polish up the entire time? Yeah. And then there's a point where you get some NPCs in there, and it's like, oh no, okay, those guys look pretty bad. I yeah. but, bad is a tough. I mean, there's so many on the screen. I think they look fine. 
Well, well really? Have you seen the junk dealer? Because <laughs> hideous. I think no. I think the reason though is I because Cloud and the rest of his team like they they're really great character models, but they also stand out artistically. Like they stand, yes. they look so yes. much different than any everybody else that it kind of brings a standard person wearing jeans and a t-shirt down a little bit. That's you know? right. So, they yes. they look like a different species almost. <laughs> there was a couple that looked a little rougher on the edges for me, but it wasn't enough for me to to dislike it or anything. I it, I can look over it. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. There there were most of most of them look great. And then they're they're like when you're walking around the city for the first time, they look great. Um I think there was one one side quest in particular where they had a lady talking about, you know, some monster that was attacking that Yeah. She, she yeah. looked pretty rough. So you, Gwen, you I can, think it was. Can, yeah, yeah. You you can see those moments, but overall just the the production values are are still just insane. I think it is the yeah. best produced game I've ever played in my life. I just yeah, and, yeah. Oh. well, Final Fantasy 15, but <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah, it, it really it it kind of brings us to a new level of when when we oftentimes we we call games cinematic, and that usually just mostly means that they're using a lot of cutscenes. Yeah, but here I've kind of gotten the sense of like a big epic adventure that you would normally it's very hard to get that feeling in a video game. And, and, I, think and, I, fe- yeah, and I feel yeah. like a big part of that is just the orchestral score is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the way that they use that to punctuate moments. Um, and so I, I can certainly see some of the shortcomings that uh, he was talking about, but, but I've mostly just been super surprised by how, how great the production values are. Yeah. I, jumping back to combat. Oh yeah. And Kyle mentioned final fantasy 15. Uh, I was talking with Ron and this just, this feels like Final Fantasy XV became fully realized because the combat in that felt a little hectic to me. Yeah. Um, like flying around the screen, it felt very button mashy. But this with the tactical pause where you can take a minute to, to figure out what you want to do, it feels like they took that system and made it as good as it's going to get for a, like an action RPG type. Yeah, yeah no, I... I totally agree with you. I'm surprised how much I'm thinking about Final Fantasy 15 playing this because mm. it, it really feels like almost a statement to me that it's like this combat that we like Final Fantasy 15 was the starting line. Kingdom Hearts 3 kind of tweaked it a little bit, but this is Final Fantasy combat now. And even I think like a Final Fantasy 16 is going to just be sort of built on top of this. Like I think this is the future of Final Fantasy combat for the next couple entries, you know. Which, I could say it, which yeah. I would be this would be the first time that I'd be happy about that. Like since right. turn-based um, combat has gone away. I've always sort of lamented that. This is the first time where I think, oh, this is a better system. Right. Uh, so we have uh, Charles Davis saying, I absolutely love the combat system in this game and how it reflects how far game design has come since the original. Being able to pause the action feels like a smart recognition of player behavior. This game and the state of the world right now may have just been getting me sentimental, but it plays like an homage to the legacy of RPGs as a genre as a whole. The difficulty of the action being seamlessly designed around the ability to pause the game feels really good. And I, it's such a subtle thing, yeah. but playing it, I think one of the reasons that it's so effective every time you pause is like the particle effects are the unsung hero of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm. Everything looks amazing. If you just pause and look around you and look at the amount of particles floating around, it's incredible. Like the magic casting, everything. Um, a lot of thoughts on combat overall here. Jordan Schaefer says, this is only my second Final Fantasy experience after playing and loving 15 a few years ago. So far, I'm really into it. My only complaint is that I don't 
really like the combat system. Maybe I just suck at it, but it constantly feels like there's way too much going on at once, and I'm somehow supposed to be keeping track of my whole team and directing their attacks. Half the time, I don't even know where they are in the battlefield. I'm also struggling with getting the game to lock onto the enemy I want, which has made blocking attacks impossible. I'm hoping I just seem to get into the pace of things, but I'm considering bumping it down to easy for the rest of the game. I think you just... I've run, I've run into that lock-on stuff a bit. I, I kind of... Sometimes I... I feel like I'm not quite on the character I want to be and the camera's not facing the right way but like I'm but you're still successful by hitting square so it doesn't bug me too much. Yeah, I think the main time where that has bothered me is during some of the side quests where you have to take down some flying enemies or like the enemies on the walls in chapter 3 where yeah. it's like all right, yeah. I'm just going to hit oh, square uh, and sometimes I guess I'll go up but like how high can Tifa jump here? There's a lot of just kind of like mushiness when it's not in your realm and you don't have Barrett, but I'd imagine for the rest of the game that's not going to be an issue if Barrett's always going to be on the table. But for that chunk it was kind of odd, right? Um Chris Bartlett says, "How do you guys feel about the combat?" I'm coming around on it the more I get used to managing multiple characters' ATB gauges, but I feel like the game would benefit from a system like 12's Gambits to automate the AI's actions a little bit more. They have a little of that with auto-cure materia, but I'm hoping they do more. Yeah, I I, I think I have also really loved the combat, and it, it feels to me like it's almost just an action game with with cooldown abilities, except, except then there's the added depth of trying, you know, like managing the limit breaks and the summons and all of that stuff. So I, I have, I have been surprised by just how good, like certain moves feel to pull off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's what a was his question. <laughs> what, <laughs> you uh, up the what you feel about it. Yeah. Oh, oh uh, juggling between different players. I, yeah. I was going to say that that is the, that is the one part that I'm still, kind of struggling with and and trying to get down it's been getting easier as i get more experience with it but there are still lots of times where i will try and switch over to tifa and she just doesn't have she's been like using her atb or something like that and i just still can't do anything so i'll just have to jump back to cloud to use his well, i don't think they use the atb actions unless you're controlling them is, correct? is she just sandbagging me or what uh, I think. they don't but their their meter builds much more slowly than yours does okay Mm. Uh, it's that bouncing back and forth between characters to build theirs up because um, without you controlling them it seems like it goes at like a an eighth of the rate that your own your own bar does okay yeah yeah about yeah i would say like a yeah probably about a quarter of uh, of the um yeah of the speed of the speed that that yours grows at but uh i, I found that the so far the combat has been i i've actually really really enjoyed it yeah i really like the um when you do an atb like spend down what do they call those abilities yeah ability thank you <laughs> the abilities and, and material like i like how they pace that i really do yeah th- there was uh let's see somebody very smart plus ultra oh by the oh i feel bad not getting that other person's question about 12 because i think 12 is a really interesting comparison talking about the gambit system because i i do feel that same need of like i want to have more strategic options for my partners i like i don't mind micromanaging i think i'll get more in that zone but i haven't equipped auto cure yet but i wonder it's like are they going to have like auto ability and other materia that's auto to try and get more Mm. towards that programming angle of 12 i would assume so uh i'd forgotten about the gambit system which worked really well in 12 um they could implement portions of that in this i think that would take this to even another level that i would enjoy more yeah uh plus ultra here is getting to the core of it he says how do you feel about the need to use atb to use items i understand that it balances healing but it really hurts to have to use an atb just to use a status item 
Oh, I totally hear that. Especially if you're um, if you're getting to a point where you're feeling like you're losing the battle. And th there were a couple of points in the game where I just kind of felt like, man, I really can't get ahead because I'm just filling up one bar and I'm using using that for a high potion. Yeah, and I'd like I have run into a couple situations, especially like a boss fight later on. We'll do it into where it's like I'm just gonna run around. I know rolling and like blocking also raises the meter faster, but like that seems too hairy. So I my best strategy, as far as I can tell, is to just run around the perimeter and wait for it to go up so I can pop an item before I jump in there. Yeah, and okay. if you hold triangle while you're doing that, uh, cloud shrieks. Oh, really? Like, yeah, yeah. I haven't checked that out yet. I'll give it a whirl. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I, a quick question that I don't know if you guys have the answer to, but there is a difference between like tapping square and holding down square, right? Like you do a more powerful single attack when you hold down square versus tapping square to do a bunch of smaller attacks. Is that the, the distinction it's, there? It's a crowd control. It does a area of effect if you hold versus tap. Oh, yeah. Because okay. yep. 15 is all just holding. Like there's no advantage to tapping in 15, if I remember. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could be wrong about that. But yeah, that that took me a while to figure out. I was like, well, I think I'm going to keep tapping because he's attacking more often. But yeah. then it was later, I think, that where I got a tutorial with Tifa where it's like, hold down the attack button and she'll do a big old kick with her red shoes. Yeah. And I was like, all right, okay, that must be the distinction there. <laughs> oh, fighting as Tifa is, is so fun overall. But the, uh, yeah. yeah I, I, I was super surprised by that, actually, uh, because I didn't control her for a long time. And then I got into some some fight where I where I had to switch to her. And that stupid and dog, she, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was, actually. But she plays... I was surprised by how different she feels compared yes. to Cloud. And her, her right. uppercut ability feels as good as any fighting game move. <laughs> yeah, Emma <laughs> Emma hits it out of the park here, who supported us on Patreon while watching the Midgar stream, I think. So thank you, Emma. Oh. Uh, she says, The original Final Fantasy VII was sometimes criticized for having characters that didn't feel unique because of the materia system. The remake retains the same materia system, but addressed those critics by making every character feel distinct during combat. Their different combat ranges, mobility, and abilities made all the character feel unique. Game of the year, she proclaims. Wow, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a, that is an excellent point, absolutely. Like for a big criticism from fans of Final Fantasy going into seven, is like, ah, it's all so mushy. You can just swap material around and there's no difference between characters. So now it's like playing as Barrett versus playing as Tifa is pretty wildly different and it's really amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and then she asks, uh, which game has a better stagger system, Final Fantasy seven remake or Final Fantasy 13? Oh. I did not play 13. Does anybody remember the stagger system in 13? <laughs> well, Serial uh, Vasquez has a really good tweet uh, where he's it's something along the lines of like every time you stagger an enemy, pause the game and uh, put your hands together and thank Final Fantasy 13 for creating this mechanic <laughs> for us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get how Serial feels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pretham. Oh, boy. Pretham Yarlagata. Thank you, Pretham. It. Says, my first time playing Final Fantasy 7 and I'm absolutely loving it. My only hang up is that. And Grant, this one's for you. All right. The roll doesn't have iframes. It makes it really frustrating when I roll to dodge an attack only to still take damage because the projectile follows you slash the attacks don't clip through you. I understand that the goal is to minimize the damage taken in a fight rather than avoid it completely, but it's still a bit of an adjustment for someone used to the Souls way of rolling around. Hey, this ain't Dark Souls, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> have you had to train yourself on that? No, no, I don't mind as much. Uh, having the ability to, to block effectively and... None of the enemies are doing a terribly large amount of damage where I've found that I have to roll to a, to dodge a lot. Uh, outside of the one boss fight that I'm sure we'll get to later, who is yeah. actually doing a significant amount of damage, um, just blocking has been enough for me. Yeah, and it's amazing that my first playthrough, I used the Materia where it like elevates the attack and more of like a crowd attack 
after the roll, it was like, oh, that's sweet. That's going to be my style. That's going to be fantastic. And then the second time through, it was like, I'm going to focus more on this Punisher mode they can go into with Cloud. Right. And like, I think it's going to be tough to go back to <laughs> that rolling around technique. Because like, if it comes down to rolling or just having just the the megaton hammer of that Punisher mode on the end of your sword, like, I, I got to go Punisher. Mm-hmm. Right, but I, but I feel like the idea behind Punisher is to increase attack while kind of kind of decreasing your defense or your ability to react because yeah. you, it, it, it's just much more slow. Um, but I'm also a, a defender of the material that you're uh, lambasting right now. So. <laughs> yeah, I use the hell out of the material. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really like it too because it's just like it's an automatic follow-up attack to rolling. Yeah, it makes it feel more. Like rolling is worth it because there are no iframes, as they say. Right. Uh, ben ha- Ben says, just a quick question. What is your favorite move or spell you've unlocked so far? Uh, mine would be the triple strike that Cloud Ooh. does when when you yeah. get that second when you get that second sword. That thing just kills, and it's so nice to when whenever you know a big group comes after you. It's like I just spam that thing and then also <laughs> hitting three guys in a row like that fills up your atb so much that you only have to do like one more sword fear flurry or so yeah in order before you can do it again yeah yeah it's just super satisfying uh i mean i'm trying to think favors attacks i mean honestly i uh i get a a little butterfly in my stomach every time i use uh cross slash like the limit break but that's not fair i mean of course oh my god yeah of course that's amazing (laughs) oh i love that absolutely yeah Uh, yeah, i for whatever reason like i it it feels like fire materia is just like the ace up my sleeve like no matter what like well at least i have fire materia which is going to do 600 damage to anything i throw it at um and, and i just got that to fyra Oh, um, really? where we're at so like I, I don't know if that's like kind of where you guys are at but maybe that's yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then it does like a thousand damage so it's i love it yeah yeah i because uh, you can scan enemies uh once you talk to uh that really cool kid what is his chadley oh the coolest guy with the chadley chadley yep chadley you said it <laughs> Uh, and uh, everyone, everyone you scan is either like, ah, use magic on this guy, or use fire. And it's like, all right, well, all I got's fire. So <laughs> right, <laughs> I right, guess right. everyone's getting fire. That'll have to do. Uh, Sam Marsden says, "Hello, bestest buddies. I haven't played Final Fantasy VII since my first playthrough." Oh, hello, Chadley. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've really enjoyed leveling up Materia. I've almost been selling all my items to buy the equipment that gives more Materia slots, so I can keep grinding that AP. Help! Oh wow. <laughs> um, and Joe Halaska says, "Everyone, say it with me." Seeing the material... Okay, that doesn't work over uh, Discord. Seeing the material (laughs) equipped in Cloud Sword is an incredible detail, Mm. says Joe. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Uh, Even in uh, the Gloves of Tifa and and with Barrett. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Uh, I have I have one note written down here that material looks exactly as cool as I hoped it would as a (laughs) as a young kid. Yeah, seeing it seeing it swirl instead of being a one pixel little blob of green on the screen is just beautiful. And I love, I love every every I, second of it. I love seeing it like in Jesse's hand. It's like, oh, it's like big. I want to play with that so bad. Because <laughs> I remember Ronnie. I don't know if you remember this crap, but like back in seventh grade or whatever, like I don't, they'd have them at state parks, usually in like a a store where they sold a bunch of stones or whatever but anyways they'd have a bunch of yeah like, no we went there weekly yeah <laughs> but they'd have a bunch of like colored spheres and i would like yeah. buy it do you remember like collecting this 
And it'd be like, oh, it's like materia. And now it's like those balls of materia brought to life in the game. And it looks exactly like how I imagined it. Yeah, let's move on. Are you talking about a, uh, are you talking about a super ball, like a bouncy ball? That's what they're called, bouncy balls. No, they're like stones, like perfect spherical stones in different colors. Anyways, the point is, Jonathan Fenn says, am I the only one who is a little concerned with how upgrading the Buster Sword would look? The two materia slots are so iconic. I'm glad they kept that look even as the weapon gains more materia slots. Yeah. And I love, too, when, like, uh, Biggs is first like, hey, I'll upgrade your sword there. Glad I come over here. And I love seeing Cloud be so protective. He's like, I don't think so. Like, Yeah, I, I did like that lot. as well. Yeah, it's very Did, Were you guys sweet. hesitant to even swap out the Buster Sword? Like, I... I don't really have quite the amount of nostalgia as you guys do, but I was like, I can't, that's cloud. That's like, that's his sword. I don't want to give him something different, you know? Yeah. It, it, and the weird thing is it kind of feels that way, even in the original game. Like yeah. the first time that you see him with a new sword, you're like, well, that's not, that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't do the great Chrono Trigger move of like, you don't want to part frog and the Masamune. And then at the end of the game, they give it, back to you right. even more powered yeah. up which is like the sweetest thing and so you just got to get used to it although like that new which sword ben, they, uh, they will do that this game do you think so yeah you're probably right yeah they will mm. they'll just like sephiroth will just like dig through your inventory and throw all the other <laughs> swords away yeah uh steve Biddo says the weapon upgrade system has been hard to manage as someone who played the original many times it's difficult to know which weapon to upgrade assuming there are many other stronger weapons down the pike and then nicholas freitas says weapons don't share sp so you can spend it all on the Buster Sword and still have all the SP when you get a new weapon, which is right. very helpful to know. Yeah, I don't think I understood that. Mm-hmm. So wait, so if I spend it on one and I get another weapon, it, I can I put, take it back or it's just it never left? It it just has the new weapon has its own pool. And I oh. think it starts at the same place that your that your other one is at. Oh, I think cool. so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, that makes me more excited to swap out swords then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bo Bakken says, I'm very excited for the weapon proficiency system. My favorite thing about Final Fantasy IX, yes, nine, he says, was buying up every piece of equipment available and learning whatever skills attached to it. I've been waiting for that system to return to any Final Fantasy game, and I'm happy to see it here, even if it, in its less robust form. Ronnie, you just played through nine again. Did you think of that as well? Um, no, I, I didn't think of that, but um, it perfectly summates why I like it as well, because I, I did the same thing in 9, where I just really enjoyed like seeing, like, oh, okay, new weapons are available, let's go see what kind of skills they have, and more times than not, like it's, it's a skill like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool to have, and you just use it for a little while, and then you have it. I mean, that's such a great incentive to just kind of keep, keep switching out your, your equipment. Yeah. Uh, Juan Cabrera has a very simple point. Uh, that sudden camera shift right when a battle begins. Mwah. So dope, he says. Uh, and Chris Bartlett has an interesting one. He says, it's odd that the game never tells you, at least in this chunk, about the menu for assigning abilities to quick button combos, L1 plus each face button, and changing limit breaks. Maybe they'll leave that tutorial for when you get more limit breaks eventually, but it'd be useful to know early on. Have you guys been using that L1 quick attack menu? Nope. No, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. What are you talking about? So if you hold L1, you don't have to go in slow-mo, which is something I think you asked during the Great Goaty Hunt stream, Jeff. So if you don't want to slow it down, you can assign things to L1. It can just be like, okay, this is just braver. This is... Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Thrusting That sounds strike. nice. But I, I so always think it's no, fun to go slow-mo. Speaking of little things that uh, it doesn't tell you, I completed all the side missions before I realized you could hit R2 to pull up the on-screen map. Oh, no! Uh, so I was like, I was like you know, this, this is kind of annoying. I have to keep checking the map. And then I completed everything, and I was like, all right, time to go on to the next story part. And I was, like, fiddling with buttons, and I was like, oh, 
Oh, there's the mini map button. That would have been really helpful for the last three hours. Yeah. It's... That being said, I just really, really, really appreciate when a game allows you to to completely get rid of the mini map. Yes. I, I oh, absolutely really? love that. Uh, Stephen Ferris says, asking if you ever, sorry, asking you if you want to go back to the quest giver after the quest is finished is one of the best features in a game ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is good, but the, there has been times when it's like I I kill the last thing and there's a giant pile of boxes and it's like, well, yes. I want to go, go to those boxes and then you're just kind of stuck there and it's yes. like, uh, guess I got to walk home myself now. Uh, <laughs> Mark Miller. Yeah, I did that once and then I had that moment of just like, oh, I for sure missed something, which I didn't, but I just felt like the I just felt like I did. Yeah. So I went back to see if I did miss anything. I didn't. But that's the last time that I'm going to do that. Uh, Mark Miller says, Slicing the Shinra boxes open is one of the most satisfying loot sources I've ever experienced in a game. The way they break and slide apart and crumble and the sound of it is just amazing. It's such a simple thing, but it really brings me joy every time I do it and I actively seek out the boxes as a result. Uh, I do do wish Cloud had a little one-two combo. Because if you if you don't get them all in one hit, it's like a little bit of a like half second reset to do the attack again. Yeah, I yeah. agree. The game's not good, so yeah. <laughs> it's not all right, now. shut it down. <laughs> uh, Ronnie's closing his church. And no more <laughs> uh, Jay Purrington says the planet bleeds green. Clouds' eyes are green. When NPCs die, they evaporate into green mako dust. So please, for the love of God. Why the f*** are Mako shards red? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Mako? What? (laughs) Sorry. We need to get used to saying it. Do you know what Mako shards are? No. They're in the those Shinra boxes that you apparently have been dodging this entire time, but they're filled with. (laughs) It it replenishes like a little bit of MP. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I I guess I never noticed that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Fenn. Says, hey, Avalanche, two ends. I <laughs> loved the detail about Jesse being a dancer at the Gold Saucer. More than just helping to flesh out the Avalanche crew, it shows that they aren't putting, that they are already putting thought into building a rich world outside of Midgar. Even if we won't see it for a few years, this really helps get me excited for the future installments. Jonathan Fenn, absolutely. And now we're getting into it. Travis Manick says, I didn't care for the fact that Jesse was such a flirt. Don't we already have Tifa and possibly Aerith for this? Okay, a lot of feedback on Jesse. Um, Ronnie, what's your take on Jesse in the remake? Um, I, I, she's a lot of fun. My gosh, I, I really like her. <laughs> I, I like her a lot, actually. Um, yes, she's a little bit like, I don't know. I, it, I just kind of view her as like theatrical and uh, kind, yeah, kind of a flirt. But I don't know. Like, it's, she's got a lot of personality, and I really like that. Actually, all the guys from. Avalanche have a lot of personality, and I really appreciate that. Even Biggs. Well, uh, Tyler Carver writes in, he says, I don't like the guy who looks like Charlie Sheen, who is friends with Wedge and Jesse. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah, first yeah, neat, well. my first note here, uh, Charlie Sheen is in my party. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can't, I can't not see that whenever he's on screen. Terrell Tolliver says he looks like Solid Snake, by the way. But yeah. I was just going to say, he reminds me of Snake. That's all I can see. Oh, really? Because what? of the bandana? I don't yeah. see that at all. Wow. <laughs> it's it's the voice, it's the the bandana, the dark hair, uh it's all of it. Hmm. But I, I love Jesse. Um yeah. that was part of what Aim was cringing about was the uh, Jesse's character. And I'll, one note too. Jesse Raspberry? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I missed that note on the floor in her 
dad's room, which I guess we can get into in a bit because, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I did I, not catch Jesse Raspberry. Yes, so I missed, that, I missed that note. And so I was capturing my playthrough, and there's a oh, flash no. where she shows the ID for her dad later on. Yeah. And I went back then to the footage to scrub through and paused it to squint to figure out what her last name was. I was like, Raspberry? What the <laughs> hell is going on? But I guess, like, Biggs and Wedge can't have last names because they're Star Wars Easter eggs. You know, you can't invent yeah, a new right. last name unless it's Antilles or something confusing. But, yes, so, that was mind-boggling. I mean, do you want to talk about visiting her parents? Uh, like, or do, should we hold off on that? I want to just address her flirting a little bit. Because um, I yeah. think Travis has an interesting point, And it is notable um, talking about her role compared to Tifa and, and Aerith. And, again, not getting into spoilers necessarily, but you, you, I think, know where this is going to some extent. But it is that weird thing of, like, having Jesse as a character is amazing. It makes me so happy. At the same time... Her, like, softening cloud up, it is this weird thing of, like, I don't know what Aerith and Tifa are going to be doing here. Jesse's like, softening the, she's melting the butter, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, to a certain extent. I, I, I don't, That that's a long hole there. I, I, I don't think that that's, like... The butter ain't soft yet. <laughs> and there's, there's, still, there's a lot of, like, growing. I mean, he's just getting to, like, a spot where he's just even expressing how he's feeling. Well, he's, um, he's also just getting to a spot where he's understanding basic concepts of society, like, oh, if you do nice things for people, your reputation will get better. <laughs> what? Well, this? Look, he's worked for Shinra. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's a soldier boy, man. He's an yes. Oh, that's soldier right. Boy. Oh, soldier boy. Um, I I love Jesse in this game. And it's honestly, I think my favorite character detail that I can think of so far in this chunk is, is like towards the end of that chapter four where Wedge is just like, hey, man, like, don't get wrapped up in this. Like, she's she's an actress. Hang on. Let me see if I can find his exact wording because it's amazing uh where he says uh it's all just a game to her yes it's all it's all a game to her don't fall for it and then and then he laughs and he's like life's the stage and loves the play Uh, (laughs) i love it and like i love that she is just she's flirty and there are so many jokes online about how Wedge is hungry and Jesse's thirsty, <laughs> but which <laughs> is very good. But I do, I love that idea that like, no, she's just having fun. Like, it's not like she's craving Cloud's boner. All that's going yeah. on here is like, she's just being flirty and silly and she's constantly saying psych and she just wants to be silly. But I love like, even in chapter one, she has this awesome line where you're going to go blow up the reactor. And she just says some line where she looks at Cloud and she's like, go blow her mind. It's like, I oh, love right. yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I am in love with Jesse now. It is so yeah. good. Back to chapter one, too, when Barrett is giving his spiel about the planet dying. Yeah. Uh, Jesse gives Cloud a little shrug like like she's heard that speech a million times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just, just go with it. Uh, it was like a half an hour into the game, like, well, I guess I love Jesse now. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Quite serious question. Is it implied that when they blow up the reactor that, like, the, the CEO guy, like, <laughs> yeah. made the explosion larger? And now... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just want to make sure that I understood that correctly. Yeah, I mean that's how I as the story goes on and Jesse's more and more like it was my fault. I used the wrong explosive. I was like, I started to think it's like, well, maybe she did use the wrong explosive. But it is they 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 made they want you to think, Kyle. Yeah, who are you working for? Who are you, Shinra middle manager? I did really like that. That it is kind of interesting that like 
there are two things here. Like number one, yeah, the 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 president here um, obviously did have something to do with the explosion, but then also she went off the books and used a different explosive agent. So like, there's enough doubt there for her that she's like, did I really do this? Because mm. there's that 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 awesome moment. It's a great moment where they finally step into sector eight and they look at the damage that just happened. Uh, yes. And they're like, did we just do this? I yeah. think like, that, that was, was when Wedge moment. looked at the camera and he said, did I do that? Which I thought <laughs> was in poor taste. But... I wouldn't put it past the game to do that. Honestly. <laughs> How dare you? Just having like Wedge be like, I'm Matt Jones. <laughs> My bot's on fire. <laughs> With guilt. Yeah, <laughs> um, the, uh, the part that I love too is after like they're all celebrating and stuff after that run, you know, and Biggs is like, I'm going to go take a shower. A lot of craving showers in this world. A lot of showers. <laughs> a lot of showers. Lot of and then, yeah. you know, Wedge is like, I'm going to go eat a pizza or whatever. We'll get into that later. But then I love that he's like, what are you going to do, Jesse? And she's like, I'm going to go home and try and figure out like what I did wrong. Because she's like yeah. seriously evaluating mm-hmm. her life and the fact that she killed tens of thousands of people who knows but and, th- uh, and this is different from the original then right is this where it is that a separation or is there a little bit it's of an interesting so fred de novo say says uh were shinra the ones who actually blew the reactor in the original game i'm having trouble remembering but if not i like the change that shinra is willing to lose the reactor to blame avalanche from the beginning for the devastation so for the first reactor as far as i remember correct me if i'm wrong ronnie and grant but i think this is new to have shinra so clearly labeled as doing this yeah, this this there was no implication that Avalanche um, or that Shinra did anything in the original game. But the concept cool. of the, like there, there was a, I mean, I I feel like a little bit later on there, there's at least an implication that they knew the involvement of Avalanche in that first thing that that that, that first attack. So it, I don't know what their involvement was in this, but well, um, I mean, in in the original game, yeah, there's a part coming up where it's clear that they're they're in the loop. I don't know if it's for the first yeah, one, and, but yeah, right. and like in terms of the guilt, Kyle, that I think you're getting to as well. Like, it's pretty light in the first game. There's like one line in particular. It's a really it's great, non-existent. Well, no, we we just did it in the stream. Remember, like, there's a line where mm-hmm. Jesse is like, there, really, there's one line. Okay, look, there's one line, but yeah, it's a so powerful existent. line. <laughs> All right, technically existent. <laughs> um, so let's get to it. Uh, but that is interesting. I like, I do like that, like her being unsure about herself. You yes. know, she's confident in so much uh, else about herself. To be not confident about that element of her life is, is interesting. Yeah, uh, Yaro. Right. Yes. Okay. Yar- oh, nope, you got it. Yaro says the side conversations from NPCs in Chapter Two is a great bit of world building. Two that stood out to me were an exasperated, quote, my friend was in there. To the kids not understanding what was going on and wanting to go home for their toys, it added to the emotion of the reactor explosion and gave the city and people life. This was shocking to me. Like, the amount that they give just NPCs in Midgar just unbelievably emotional lines to say, and, like, especially seeing, like, paramedics and, like, EMT workers, like, we need a stretcher over here! It's like, it is... Like a scene from Call of Duty, it's bizarre. Yeah, I I did. I wrote down one dialogue, which the guy said, "What the? I was working there yesterday. Put that fire out, idiots!" <laughs> <laughs> but I can't all be winners, but that's, yeah. I cried there. Yep. <laughs> Shut up, you dick. Uh, I like. There's a line Kills too where like there's a family and they're like breaking down what they're going to do and like okay we head to the station then we take the train to your sisters and the kids are like i'm scared like crying like, oh yeah that's mm-hmm. incredible um travis morgan 
says, I enjoyed, is that the right emotion? Seeing the fallout from the <laughs> Mako reactor bombing, it was a neat way to bring some real world feeling into the game, showing the actual effects of something like that being done, whether or not it was for the quote, right reasons. I also really liked the helmets for the security officers. Those three eyes are equal part menacing and cool as hell. And then Christopher Reardon says, it took me a full game session just to get past the first area of chapter two because I was ogling all the designs and taking screenshots. You can see some firefighters and paramedics helping out after the reactor explosion. The designs of their uniforms, particularly their helmets, is reminiscent of the Shinra security officers you fought in the reactor. A reminder that even though it's a private company, Shinra is really running the show for everything in Midgar. Amazing mm. detail. I love that, Christopher Reardon. Uh, the city feels so alive. Um it's that scene right after the reactor blows. There, there was what maybe three NPCs in the, in the PlayStation One version, and now it's <laughs> it's so fleshed out. It it's yeah fan service to the max, and I, I love it. Yeah, I mean being able to walk through those streets is wild. And like we made a video on our YouTube channel comparing, um, the 2015 trailer for Final Fantasy VII Remake versus the final build, and like those streets are have been reworked pretty heavily like it was the toughest oh, place wow, to get like yeah. a one-to-one shot but the amount that they've packed in there now it's like it is mind-boggling and even like when you're going up like the um, fire escapes out those are called on the side of buildings yep. um and like the camera like shifts like that whole sequence i think was just so bizarre and jesse's yelling at you from the top of the thing um, so i i have a question about um just like shinra's involvement in the government and this is something that like i i Ben and Grant, I know we talked a little bit about um, on our Celebrating Final Fantasy stream uh, about, like, like, wait a second, is Shinra just kind of synonymous with the, the government in Midgar, or is is Midgar still just its private company heavily influencing the public sector? I think it and, is, yeah. Oh, what were you going to say, Ben? It was going to be perfectly insightful. Are you sitting down? <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is going to blow your mind. I don't really know. No, I think it's just that I think there is a government for Midgar, but I mean, the implication is that it's just been silenced and overwhelmed by this energy company. Mm-hmm. So, um, so here, here's the thing that I, I wrote down in the, God, what what is it? It's in the, like the battle log where you can read a little bit more about the enemies that you face so far. Yeah. And they call them Public Security Division of Shinra. Hmm. Okay. So the police are essentially the public security division of Shinra. Right. That is protecting Midgar, which feels like a very public sector thing. I still think that essentially Shinra would say, like, yeah, we're the central government. I'm sure they like, would. I think but, they, would, they would own that. But we know that there is still some fragment of government from the original game. There's like There's a shred hanging on that they're just completely spineless and gutted you know but they're like technically i'm a mayor <laughs> you know <laughs> like it does exist in there somewhere but yeah that's interesting, Spoilers. interesting <laughs> detail back the in government there. yeah uh yeah fred de novo y'all ready to get rolling ready to dive into this sucker start the deepest dive here Fred DeNovo says started well we haven't talked about a lot of big things Fred says I'm currently having some issue with the amount that we're seeing Sephiroth I know they couldn't wait until part two to introduce him but I like the tension and build up to his reveal in the original I'll reserve full judgment until I play more but as it stands right now it isn't my cup of tea all that negative aside I'm really enjoying the game Uh, Ronnie what was your reaction to seeing Sephiroth so early in the game I thought I would hate it I love it and the reason why is because it, it just seems like he's just a 
he's pretty much just a representative of Cloud's self-doubt. And just like everything negative that has a strong and powerful voice is just represented by Sephiroth. And he comes out during those times. I, I, I love how they're using Sephiroth so far. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they expand it. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. I, I thought I would hate it too, because like, you know, a big thing with Katase, the game's original director and this game's producer is he's talking about like, oh, we wanted Sephiroth in the original game to be like the the shark from Jaws. We wanted to keep him hidden. It was just talked about. You saw like the aftermath and consequences. And so having Sephiroth within, what, an hour 10 of this yeah. game, realistically, it's like, oh my God. But then I think just that scene is so great. And having that shot where Cloud turns around and starts to walk away and then Sephiroth is right there and he's tall as hell. And like, it made yeah. Sephiroth feel scary in a way that I haven't felt since the original game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. I I love it. What did you, without spoiling anything, what did you think about like what Sephiroth was saying there, Ronnie? Can, do you think you can talk about that without spoiling anything? Um... It was it, no. okay. It was weird to me that he was like, he was so concerned about the planet. You know, he's like, "Oh, you're saving the planet now. You've got to save the planet." And then he almost sounds a little like Emperor towards the end. Where he's like, "Good, very good, Cloud." Of the voice actors, I think so far, uh, he has a calm yet menacing presence that I think is captured really well by the voice acting so far for him. Well, I would agree with you that he's the best so far, but you're forgetting something crucial that Adam Walker brings up saying, can I just say the voice acting for the kids that I've heard so far has been top notch. First time <laughs> seeing Marlene interact with Barrett nearly brought the waterworks. Uh, Marlene star of the show voice acting wise for me. Like and that kid's voice is unbelievable. And everybody knows I had a very anti Marlene stance before this, before this game. Yes. But... I hated that four year old girl. She's <laughs> um, unbelievable. No, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I got to go back to this. What, yeah. what I really I remember what I was going to say about Sephiroth. Sure. What I like about the precedent that they're setting there is that Sephiroth is actually paying mind or attention to Cloud, even if it is just sort of this hallucination. What I felt like in the in the original game is that Sephiroth was almost like just kind of barely like knowing of Cloud. Like he was just kind of this afterthought. And in this, he's just much more menacing. Huh. Uh, well, people who don't know Sephiroth in the room, please raise your hand. No, Jeff, did you have any takeaway from, from the Sephiroth scene? Yeah, no. Um, it's com it's complete. My takeaway is that it's completely fine. And I've, I've yeah. seen a lot of people saying, oh, there's too many flashbacks and that they're, you know, like they're emphasizing this stuff way too much. And as someone who doesn't really know what the hell's going on, it, it, the pacing's fine. It seems fine. They're, it's intriguing what they're bringing up, and that I, you know, it, everything's fine. I'm as <laughs> as a new as a newcomer. I'm totally enjoying it, and there wasn't anything that stood out to me as you know being yeah. bad about that. Yeah, uh, Kyle, I, I'm happy to hear that you find it intriguing. Honestly, I'm delighted to hear that you find it fine, uh, Kyle. <laughs> Uh, answer yeah. this question from Crater. He said, when I played the original Final Fantasy VII, I thought that Avalanche destroying the eight reactors of Midgar was the core story of the game. Ryan, I think you were saying you're in the same boat, right? Yeah. Uh, I worry that all this focus on the bigger picture and the foreshadowing there takes away from the here and now of the Avalanche Midgar story that I originally thought was so critical. And sub subsequently, I worry that new players will lose that eye-opening moment of realizing the story is bigger than just blowing up reactors. So the foreshadowing for you, Kyle, is it jarring or do you feel like it's flying right by you? Um, 
I, I don't. Oh, I don't find it jarring because I don't have a really a point of comparison. But I mean, I, I think you could make an argument that it's just better storytelling to make Sephiroth more of a character early on, just to like, you know, I can't speak for the original, but like, you know, plugging in a a, a villain kind of late and like finally revealing him doesn't always work just narratively. Like to give him a chance to like actually learn who he is and be scared of him for longer. I'm. Yeah, I think in the long term, I think that will pay off. You know. Yeah, it's, but yeah, like I don't like I said, no point of comparison. So right, it's taught me that both are viable means. Whereas before this, I would have been much more in the camp of like, no, he's so much better as this mysterious force because like the tension is so huge. By the time you finally see him in the original game, it's like I mean, this he's, is that he's crazy? just like mentioned, right? Like the name bubbles up, but you don't yeah. really know who he is. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, it's mentioned. You see, very much so. Where where Sephiroth is is named a few different times and you have this moment of just like like obviously this this is a, a big character here um but there's never yeah it's it, it's it's a lot longer um than when you actually see him and even the first time that you see him in the original game is not necessarily the most impressive thing in the world so i i, <laughs> yeah. I, I like I, this yeah in our midgar stream i mean you see his actions within uh on the three times speed it was in the first two hours of the game him. Yeah, you but see the his physical form you don't necessarily see it until later, right? Uh, and and to, to be fair, as a newcomer, like he's still plenty mysterious on what the hell is going on with that guy, okay, who he yeah. is, you know what 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 yeah. he actually is at this point. Um, he did something to Cloud, is kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, he says, I, I, I mean, he says in that scene, if you're listening, he says, "Look, I mean." Cloud says, "I killed you." You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. it's a weird yeah. detail. Like, yeah, yeah. What yeah. Is so, the so there's there's plenty of question marks as to what's going on with that. I don't feel like they have completely spoiled me on what's what's coming because right. I have no idea what the hell that is. And the part that's amazing going through that bit at the opening of chapter two again is like, if you just look around, they change so much of the geography around you. Like. There's buildings on fire that are not Midgar buildings, you know, that they just put in that environment for that scene. And it's so cool. Um, Giovanni D'Amico says, let's talk about that scene where Cloud meets Sephiroth in the alley. Am I correct in assuming that Sephiroth did not appear this early in the Classic 7? If that's correct, then I feel like showing Sephiroth so early is a little too fanservice-y. Hold it! 170, 187 comments on Patreon, and not one person has mentioned the NPC who is literally a face scan of Ben Hansen, and that his <laughs> mouth slash voice sync is absolutely atrocious. The worst part in the game thus far, leading to the obvious conclusion that Square Enix has reskinned an existing NPC at the eleventh hour to get Hansen into the game with the junk dealer. Congrats <laughs> on your debut. Proud of you, man. Hey, thanks, Giovanni. Um, yeah, the junk dealer kind of looked like me, and I tweeted out hesitant of like, "Am I a narcissist? Is this nuts?" And then it turns out people were like. Holy crap! That really does. But no. it's just a boring white guy just face. That stuff. Don't. Yeah. No. Thank you. Yeah, and, and just like even before I knew that, he was my least favorite character. <laughs> yeah, it all fits. <laughs> well, it's so exciting. He's like, oh, I got a, a couple of hot new items for you, and then they go in there and he's selling like two potions and a high potion. It's like, cool, I got dude. five potions. Five. <laughs> just kept saying gun to your head. It was weird. Yeah, it was really uncomfortable. Gun uh, to your head. I'll take my business elsewhere, junk dealer. We're fine. <laughs> Got, your head. Uh, Got an off-brand high potion for you. <laughs> I'm good, sir. There's a, really, there's just a... Anyways, vending machine over here. Barrett Boswell says, uh, did anyone find it humorous when they first label Aerith as a flower shop peddler? Because no word speaks better to a nice young girl selling flowers than peddler. <laughs> <laughs> I just like what did Cloud say to her? I wrote down the line, "Look, 
I'm involved in things. <laughs> oh, I hated that. I hated that. <laughs> Nick Reed says, my favorite line so far was Cloud telling yeah. Gareth, I'm involved in things, as if something so generic would scare her away. <laughs> like <laughs> like, uh, like a company? Like, are you hiring? Do you sell flowers? I could be a part of that. Yeah. Like the sarcastic, oh, sure you are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm so curious about Aerith overall. The fact that that's all we've really scene of her it's just like that little bit where it's like okay she's kind of saccharine sweet but i i want to know what to do with her personality especially yeah. when i'm head over heels in love with jesse at this point it's like i i don't know what they're gonna do with her it's gonna be really interesting well right. i know harry potter dementors seem to like her so that's mm -hmm. i know that much that's right and she and cloud couldn't see them until she touched she touched him yeah because then they're flying around the shinra soldier and he's like what the hell's wrong with you don't you see <laughs> oh okay yeah uh, Grant, what do you think about the Dementors? My one note so far is, uh, Dementors, question mark? <laughs> uh, Turn it to an it's animal! A, it's an odd departure, and I'm curious to see where it leads to, because right now I'm kind of on the fence of how I feel about them. Oh, so this is a new thing? Uh, in a way. Kind of? So it basically they've kind of reimagined something that's in the that was in the original game and moved it up a lot. Um, well, did you, I, I think I see where you're going with this and I'm not yeah. entirely sure that's the thing that they're going for. I mean, do, are you, are you feeling pretty certain that this is the thing that they're yeah. sort of representing? Okay. I mean, okay, well, hang on. Uh, I mean, you're looking at me like I'm dumb right now. So. I am horrified <laughs> by what you're saying. Okay, so here's here's a, here's a hint. Uh, Shane Africa says, having not played the original Final Fantasy VII, but having a major interest in it, I was stoked to see some of the legendary infamous in-jokes and references the remake uh, would make to the original. Like, the apartment neighbor is a fun way to incorporate the this guy are sick meme into the plot with some actual consequence associated. Um. Zach Gallo says, I thought it was funny when Cloud nearly kills his neighbor and Tifa's reaction is, no, Cloud, that's Marco. <laughs> he's, a, <laughs> he's a little weird, but he's a good guy. <laughs> Meanwhile, Marco looks like a cult member from Resident Evil 4. <laughs> also, she like gives him an assignment. She's like, Cloud, uh, just check on him, you know, yes. as often as you're willing. Just help me take care of this guy. It's like, what? I didn't blah, reunion, right. blah. It's just a total <laughs> freak. Hey, Bob, uh, your PTSD is under control right now, right? <laughs> I thought I thought it was going to, honestly, when he was like growling in the next room, I thought it was going to be a gag of like going and and Wedge was going to be like hungry. I thought it was like a oh, of or something. And then when it was like an actual like kind of scary thing, I was like, oh, okay. I yeah. guess it's not just a hungry person. <laughs> but hang on, Ronnie, do you not think that's what the Dementors are? is just those things from later on and I'm sorry we're doing the thing about not spoiling things but um I don't I didn't draw that same conclusion Marco has a with, tattoo with so much certainty but I did think Marco of it. Marco feels different than the Dementors though Really? I thought it was like a weird vision and it was kind of all the same but all right maybe I'm wrong Um Sutton says I laughed out loud when Cloud went to check on apartment 203 in the slums Saw Sephiroth and hit his sword on the door frame trying to attack him. I love, I love how badass Cloud is, how badass Cloud is while also being a complete dork. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, there he, was. He's endearing. Yeah, I guess that's one way to look at it. There were a couple takes on Cloud here. Jonathan Quavedo said, I am so happy to have OG Cloud back after seeing Advent Children and Kingdom Hearts Cloud. He's back to being kind of goofy, awkward, occasionally a little too mean, and sometimes really empathetic. 
Like how he brings up his promise to Tifa. He's a good kid trying to figure himself out while, pay, while playing up being a tough, badass soldier. And I really miss that. Yeah, that is, that is a great summary of who I imagined Cloud to be. And I still feel like he's still a little flatter than I want. I understand it's the start of the game. He's still a little bit trying to be cool guy. But it's still, I feel like some, just a little aftertaste of 2006 Square Enix in that cloud, you know? Yeah. Um, let's see. Travis Morgan says, this is my first deep dive into any Final Fantasy game. Supposing that theater rhythm doesn't count. Um, no, I, I love that game, but I don't think it counts. And he says, what a ride so far. Speaking of cloud and character, I like him the best out of anybody. Not surprising since he's the main character, but I always had assumed he was this very serious, stoic kind of guy. However, he just seems like a regular guy stumbling in conversation and not always having an answer. I liked his exchange with Barrett about his age, which cloud confused for his rank. And then those hallucinations yeah. of Sephiroth are really interesting. Ronnie, what do you think of cloud? Um... I like him. I, I think, gosh, I, I'm of two minds about Cloud. And, and I have the, that same feeling of just like, ah, performance is a little bit flat. Yeah. But I also think that like it's not too late to make that sort of this curve of of progression in terms of just like his growth. Um, overall, like I like those moments where he, like he's finally like where we're at right now. He's getting to the point where He's actually starting to ask questions about his surroundings and and the people around him and everybody. What what I want to scream at everybody around him is any time that he shows any amount of interest, you don't need to call him out on that and say, <laughs> "Look at Cloud caring all of a sudden." Like you don't need to do that. Like just let him grow into his own. Be, yeah, so, way to go, Cloud. I, I like he doesn't him. have a family. The Cloudmeister, <laughs> the Brosev. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, flip the USB twice says cloud makes Noctis look like a ray of sunshine. Come on. Uh, Justin Hughes (laughs) says, I love this. See, this is the type of specific detail I love for game club. Justin Hughes says a small detail I enjoyed was when everyone is escaping through the tunnels to get to the city streets and Jesse sets the bomb cloud just turns away a bit and covers just one ear with his hand. It seems like something a seasoned war vet would do. I think they nail his persona really well. That's an amazing observation. Um, there is, Okay, Wade Lee, here we go, says, Do you recall the scene during Chapter 3 where Johnny is abducted and you rescue him? When you go to rescue him and prevent the Shinra soldiers from interrogating him, Cloud speaks up and says, You said he's a talker, speaking to Tifa, and then proceeds to grab his sword as if he's going to murder Johnny. I've always known Cloud to be broody and at times emo, but I've never known him to be a cold-hearted killer like how he's depicted in that scene. What did you make of that? like 15, 30 people up to that point. Well, Darkfish Days points out that there's that weird line where after you beat all those people, T- all yep. people, Tifa says, we need to go before they wake up. And it's like, wait, what? Have we just yeah. been putting soldiers yeah. to sleep? Before they reappear. Mm-hmm. 100% <laughs> thought they were dead. I, yeah, that that's kind of like rewriting my own kind of idea that like, oh, we're killing everybody here. And that's just kind of saying like, nope, everybody's just sleeping. Maybe it's just Tifa... Being confused, but she's a smart cookie. I can't. No, okay, that's the worst. So you do think that the implication is that everything you've attacked and beat in Final Fantasy VII is just sleeping? Well, they gotta they gotta sleep sometime. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, real quick. That there's that soundtrack for Johnny too. By the way, when you're walking up to get him, that's like country music or something it's very yeah. strange you guys know what i'm talking oh, about i don't know if that stood out to me but yeah it's very weird johnny stood out yeah, to we're me. talking it about the, cho- the chocobo the re- no we're not talking about it reminded me of like the cafes in final fantasy 15 
Like oh, I, okay. I'm so often reminded of Final Fantasy 15 in odd little ways. It's weird. I did not expect that playing this. Oh, that's bizarre. I thought Johnny sounded like Charlie Day uh, when he was screaming. <laughs> oh, weird, um, yeah. But in terms I of- think Cloud sounds like Justin Timberlake. I can't not hear Justin Timberlake. <laughs> you're you're confused you know because Lance Bath I'll voiced yeah. Sephiroth in Kingdom Hearts. So I understand the crossover. It's pollinated in your mind. Uh, Lance Bass is still playing uh, Sephiroth. Just so <laughs> <laughs> He's just old and grabbed. He's very good. Yeah, his snake eyes are popping now. But uh, no, um, t- can, can I ask a, a, a quick question? No, 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 you can't. Okay. Please keep it down. Um, Wade Lee has the question about <laughs> Cloud being a cold-hearted killer here. I think Cloud is what they were talking about of him trying to act cool and act like he's a real soldier. And he's really into this idea of everybody seeing him as like this heroic uh, soldier moving throughout Midgar. And so I think he's even trying to show off to his old friend Tifa there. I don't think he's actually going to slit this guy's throat slowly with a buster sword. You know, no, I think, he seemed like he was going to kill that dude. I, think, I agree. Yeah, I agree with Jeff. I, I think he was totally prepared to be like, well, I mean, he just coming off of coming from soldier, like, and he wants to preserve the integrity of this movement because it's important to Tifa. Yeah. Like what makes sense in, the, in this point is to kill them. Okay. Well, I guess the point is it was horrifying and Tifa. They just murdered that. thousands of people. Okay. <laughs> I just, you're right. But no, but I like the idea that Tifa was like terrified of cloud. It was like, yeah. what have you become? You know, which is not that, in the original as far as I can recall. Yeah. That was an interesting character moment for both of them. And, and I think that kind of speaks to, the things that I've liked about Cloud so far is is mostly just kind of the positions, you know, who he's supposed to be and the positions that he's putting in, he's being put into as opposed to anything that he's especially doing or saying. And another moment that I liked about that was when they were um, at the bar celebrating afterwards and, the, and Barrett was just kind of like, okay, you got to get out of here. Like we paid you, you yes. got the money. That's all you cared about. And then if you talk to everyone on the way out, they're like, yeah, you know, like we like you, but I, I got to hang out with these guys now. And and you just kind of have that sad walk out of the bar as yes. everyone else is laughing and having fun. Like that was a really interesting moment. It's basically the I rest did of development. also really like, like that. Yeah, it just yeah, kind yeah. of felt like, yeah, you're still an outsider. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. To the point that yes, Ryan uh, Pretz says, I'm sorry, beat down Brian. Was anyone else a little disappointed that we never got to use the pinball machine to go down to the hidden room under Seventh Heaven? I really wanted to see Barrett going ham on that punching bag. <laughs> yes, that is a weird thing. Is like normally in the original game, you go down there with mm-hmm. them in the secret entrance. And it is like furthering that idea of Cloud being separate and not included. That like you just hang out up here and literally, I don't know. Uh, play darts and then sit and drink another Cosmo Canyon. You said that because you're not getting play darts here. entirely too much to beat everyone's high score to get that trophy. It's in, it's very important to the story. Incredibly important. Um, but yes, I think that worked really well. And everybody coming up and like, yeah, we tried. Barrett's not having it. Like he doesn't he mm-hmm. doesn't want to kind of like split being the star of the show or like lean too heavily on you. I think is the way they put it. Right. That like, yeah. I I also feel like there was that moment in the first chapter where. Like, I, I do feel like Barrett was actually, like, genuinely kind of curious about him and whether or not he would be interested in the cause. And at the end, a little bit disappointed that he wasn't as bought in as he hoped he would be. And, like, the way that he responds to that is to just be angry and be like, you know what, this this guy does suck. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he also... Well, do you remember when that moment is that you're talking about, Ronnie? Because there's definitely a moment, like, when Cloud comes onto the train... Yeah, uh, and yeah, then, and, and it's then, actually, yep, 
And Barrett has a moment where he's like, yeah, I me mean, worried there for a minute. And then everybody from Avalanche is like, huh, Barrett, boss? Like, what the hell? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So it's like he's warming up to Cloud a little bit at this point. But Joseph Vessel here says, I don't remember finding Barrett this off-putting in the original game. The writing just has me thinking he's either crazy or the worst employer ever. Did he hire me just to belittle me? I don't know whether it's a translation issue or not, but his dialogue and his overreactions to everything just don't seem to fit what's going on in the game. Hmm. He, he feels a little cartoonish to me. Like, maybe he'll calm down over the course of the game. I, I, he already has a little bit, but in those op- that opening hour, I, I had the same reaction. I was like, why'd you even bring me here, man? If you're just going to, like, yell at me. Like, I'm here doing you a favor. Yeah. So, Just, yeah. Justin Hughes has it here. He says, I loved when Cloud and the gang are escaping on the train after the first reactor bombing, and Barrett finally takes his glasses off. Just to look in his eye made him feel so human. He was such a jerk the whole time, and once you could see his eyes and see he was a normal person, and he just deeply felt for the cause. And I love to, like, outside of Seventh Heaven, there's an NPC that says, like, I chatted with that Barrett guy a few times. He looks like a real hard ass, but he's actually pretty chill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody's, like, subtly trying to remind you. And then I feel like the melting of that first hour is when you see him with Marlene. And he's like, quit mm-hmm. scaring my damn daughter! <laughs> he's, like, yelling at Cloud. He's like, I don't think I did anything. Yeah, apparently you're not supposed to talk to her by yourself or when she's by herself at the bar. Because Absolutely not. That was super taboo. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the original game, she becomes a bartender, which is also taboo, but I don't know if they're going to do that this time around. It's a very odd scene. Um, Eben McHugh says, I love everything so far except for Tifa. Oh. She's not terrible, but out of everything, I think she's the most wonky. Her character is kind of one note, and all women flaun- fawning over Cloud is classic anime, but it's a little much. Kind of wish they'd given women a little more agency. They're obsessed with Cloud, even with his nonstop angsty attitude. So Tifa and Barrett are not in a romantic relationship, or is that? Are we getting into spoiler territory? Well, have I sent you that novel that I'm working on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've... Um... I it's I have it downloaded. Okay. Seriously, um, Ben, it's 550 pages. What is that? Well, it, they're long moans. <laughs> right, 20 so. page moans. Oh, which the game does have a lot of just uh, interjections of weird moans and grunts and <gasps> yeah, yeah, it's perfect. A lot of those uh, which so we talked about earlier. I think I I like Tifa in the game. She's one of my favorites in the original game. I think I'm still trying to get a read on her relationship with Cloud, I think there's like really great moments there and especially like knowing like where it evolves and their past and everything like that that they're kind of hinting at. But I think there's a weird juxtaposition between she's animated for the Japanese voice. And overall, I think the lip sync in this game, I think is incredible. There are a couple of those awkward beats, which we'll get into later. But I even, I had to restart if you change it to Japanese and it looks to me like it's synced for Japanese dialogue and for English dialogue. And I feel like they make you restart the game maybe because of that. But I don't know if that's insane. If you know localization better, please let me know. But I feel like Tifa's movements are very anime girl. Yeah. And then well, her yeah. voice well, is yeah. like, yeah. her voice yeah. is a more yep. kind of like richer, more interesting personality than that. And it's a weird split, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Oh, good. Thank you. Um, yeah, but- I, I, don't, I don't feel like she's like one note in any way. Um, I, I think there's... I think there's still a lot of her you just don't know, and I, I, I feel like the performance so far is lending itself at least a little bit to just, like, there's more to this than meets the eye at this point in time, yeah. so... She yeah, I, a little more bubbly than she sounds, I think. It's, it's uh, yeah, I think that's right a great now. way of saying it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, in the subtle things that I never thought would affect me emotionally this much... Um, like, I love that Cloud's, like, impressed by how to, how good of a fighter she is, and you're going yeah. out and going to 
<laughs> Monster Alley out back, whatever the hell's going on over there. Uh, I love, like, there's just a little line after a piece of combat where Cloud just says, keep those gloves up. And then she goes, sure thing, coach. Like, I just, that yeah. melted me. Like, the idea of, like, these <laughs> old friends just, like, having that little banter. It's like, this is all yeah. I've wanted in my life for 23 yeah. years. <laughs> and and even, there, there's there's even a moment where... He says, like, what, like, what's rule number one? And she says something like, we'll, we'll get some rest. And then after a, um, a mission, he repeats that himself. I think it's after, like, he meets up with those guys that, wanna, that want him to sell out Barrett or something like that, where he goes, like, all right, just going to remember rule number one. Let's get some rest. Yeah. They're like, like they're I already, love that. Like, yes, they're already teaching each other. And there's even stuff where, you know, she has some phrase, like, bottom of the barrel learning or something like that. And he repeats that a couple times. Like, well, hey, this is... This is what we're doing here. Uh, Taylor Owens says, does Tifa hey, know? Hanson, let yeah. me cut you off right there. I got to get rolling, but uh, I've been, you know, really enjoying the game. And I'm excited to listen to the rest of this conversation without me being here. Okay, so you're going to leave, but everybody else is staying, right? Yeah. And the people Which listening. I should be able to just disconnect Discord, I think. It should be fine, right? Yeah, let's see how, how it goes there. Well, Kyle will be missed. Uh, Taylor Owens, though, says, hey, does Tifa know how much I love her? How do I tell her? Copious amounts of fan fiction will probably get the point across. I think <laughs> she'll feel it in her realm because she is a living, I've, breathing... I've tried that too. <laughs> uh, plus Ultra. Okay, yeah, here we go. Plus Ultra says the writing has kind of seemed all over the place. There's a great scene between Cloud and Tifa when Cloud says, I was in Soldier, remember? And then Tifa quietly, almost sadly says, I remember. I love that, says Plus Ultra. Um, yeah. But then on the other hand, I never thought I'd hear Cloud say, sorry about your ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, yes, Ronnie, the floor uh, is yours. Yeah, no, I I, um, I I feel like the the writing has been fairly consistent. Um, I, th- I think more so um, there's a difference in just how things are performed and, and just the overall performance. Um, I, I feel like the voice actors are doing just an awesome job um, well, so far. Yeah, I feel like Wedge and the voice acting is so good. And I mean, I love Breaking Bad and I love Badger, but I like, love Wedge. <laughs> but I feel like his personality shines so much because of that great voice, and especially compared yes. to Biggs. And like, I like Biggs fine, but his voice and his personality just comes across as so kind of classic jrpg compared to like wedge yeah feels like oh this is like a real human's voice and then yeah. some of his wedge dialogue. or biggs could say i've never had an emotional experience and i'd buy it <laughs> that's that's really funny to me because i find myself liking biggs way more than i thought i would in this oh interesting. Um, i do too i i mean it's it's all great but i really loved it's oh, like chapter four is just unbelievable in my mind we'll get to it overall but i love when you go back when you land back in the slums after chapter four or i guess at the end of chapter four and just like everybody's doing their own thing and having those little vignette moments with everybody and that's like the first time that i feel like biggs kind of clicked where i think it's wedge is talking about like yeah biggs is gonna do his thing where he just goes and sits by himself and overthinks everything and like over plans everything and then you can even talk to biggs and he has a moment where he's like hey actually talking to you really helps like i really appreciate it it's like they do such an amazing job of humanizing avalanche in a way that i never expected uh it was after the the stealth mission in jesse's parents house uh when biggs tells you about her her dad's past um that level of depth out of bigs just it's 
it's too much for me to handle at this point based on <laughs> how many lines of dialogue he had in the original game. Yes, absolutely. Which, which is which is about uh, which button do I press? <laughs> you know, yes. That was about where he went. Um, I'm kind of interested to hear, like, where, Jeff, I'm like, where, in terms of, like, the voice acting, is there anything that, like, stands out? Because, like, I feel when we have this conversation, it's also, like, sort of veiled by where this whole story is, is going where are yeah. you at with the voice acting? Uh, I I think everyone's been doing a great job, and I I have liked all the characters. Yes, um, thumbs up, in, indeed. Uh, yeah, I I like like we had said about with Tifa and somewhat with Jesse, some of the kind of pantomiming is over the top, and there yeah. there is a there is a weird kind of disconnect between. The fact that they're basically terrorists and they're they're blowing up these industries, but then then they're gonna act all kind of cutesy about you know. Wahoo! Does keep this guy it like down. me or We're what? Terrorists. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, wahoo, that's the real problem. Man. Wahoo! But also, did I build that bomb wrong? And is that why all the <laughs> die? You know? Yeah. So that that kind of disconnect is weird. But but like I said, that's kind of I can I can write kind of write that off as you know, JRPG quirkiness. And, and yeah, that's right. fine because I don't play a lot of those games, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm, I'm getting the full treatment this time. Yes. Um, yeah. Edgar Vasquez. Well, first of all, Calvin Jaffarin, Jaffarian says in the gulf between the presentation and the minute to minute writing, I feel like I'm watching a Tom, a Paul Thomas Anderson production of an elementary school play. <laughs> Am I crazy? Am I the only one really bothered by the level of writing? I'm not trying to be negative. I like the game a lot, but can't we aspire to be better? I definitely thought it was going to bother me, the writing overall, much more than it does. It, the occasional moment here, Edgar Vasquez gets to it. He says, I might be in the minority on this, but I've already been pretty mad on the remake. I get a very Star Wars prequels vibe from it. I do think the story they're trying to convey could be interesting. Most of the dialogue is terrible, and the voice actors are just doing the best they can with it. There's a part where they can ask Cloud if his parents are still around. He says no, and then Avalanche answers with a cheery, mm-hmm. And gives a thumbs up. What the hell? First of all, Edgar, I went back and looked at that scene. They don't give the thumbs up. They give a lot of thumbs up, but it's not directly after that. But that is definitely a moment where they all just kind of go, mm-hmm. And it is that weird Kingdom Hearts pacing that Kyle was talking about. But it is few and far between where I'm really bumped by that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I would say that, you know, again, I feel like uh, people who are either just not as invested or even disenchanted by this story could look at this with a, um, you know, a, a critical perspective and, and say like, this is not as good as anybody's saying that it is. And I also feel like, yeah, that that's true. Um, but you know what? I, I'm having fun. So of course, uh, Kate Gronlin <laughs> says powerful speech, Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's, 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 a, lot of, it's a lot of nostalgia. Okay? I know. I know. Uh, Kate Gronlin says, this is literally the only game I can think of that had a character's dialogue get cut off by someone else talking. I'm so used to having games, having a character stop speaking halfway through a sentence to then have the person who, quote, cuts them off, load their dialogue a second later, leaving an odd silence. To me, it just shows how on point Square Enix was for this glorious game. So he's kind of going the opposite of like, it is that classic RPG thing of like, well, the only thing we have to do is... I interrupt, Senator! You know, it's like that yeah, weird yes. pacing. And I feel like games this generation have been a lot better about it, but that exact problem, I think, is what people like Edgar, Vas Edgar Vasquez are noticing. But Bo Bakken says, anyone else here weirded out by the amount of S-bombs in a Final Fantasy game? 
I know the original had some coarse language, but I ex- so I expected Barrett to throw out a couple PG-13 curse words, but even the slum inhabitants are just casually swearing up a storm as I walk through the streets. Am I alone in finding yeah. this jarring? That that was one of the notes that I made that it, it feels so weird and out of place. It's interesting to hear that the original also had that, but like getting called a punk ass bitch by the <laughs> by the weapons dealer, it's like <laughs> what is this? This is not necessary and it and it, it also feels weird with the with the kind of wholesome tone that everyone else has too. Everyone's, you know, so happy to be doing everything and trying their best. And then it's like, ah, this, that. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is much more common than I expected, uh, going through it, but I guess it's fine. Um, let's see. We have, Oh boy, do we, well, Derek McDonald, I'm sorry. Derek Maldonado says, Hey, the voice acting in this game is tremendous, but I really want to give special appreciation to Erica Lindbeck, Jesse's voice actor, a person that in my eyes has risen to prominence since being in the Dragon Ball Broly movie. She played Chi Lai in the Broly film. She helps give this, uh, gives life to a wonderful thirsty ass positive character that I mainly remember from the original as the person that helps open doors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Bob Buell says, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Wedge is fat. Uh, for keen-eyed fans, there are a few very subtle, very subdued, subdued jokes and jabs at him. Oh, and he's also a bumbling mess who gets severe ass-related injuries. <laughs> Wedge, Listen, I'm going to have to go back and play the game. I, I <laughs> Wedge feels like he got the enormously short end of that stick and is such a non-character right now. Maybe they'll do something to make him more than a one-note character, but we shall see. Um, uh, I, I don't. I don't think he's a one note character. I think the comedy in him is is one note, but I don't think yes. he's a one note character. I don't think so either. There's there's one touching moment where they're parachuting back in the town uh, when Cloud gives him the reassurance that he took he did something. He he helped uh, out by taking uh, one for the team. Yeah, it was, yeah. That was a nice moment. Yeah, yeah. I and agree. The, the music is just like classic cheese at that moment too, and they're like, "We're on top of the world." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bob Buell had mentioned that in Minfax the other day yeah. too, and it, it's it stood out to me because I think there are those jokes, but he at the same time, to me at least, he he could have been a skinny character model, and and they, throughout the interactions that I've had with him, I would have just thought that he likes eating pizza a lot. You know, right? It, it's he. He and aside from the fact that he gets shot in the ass and then he has to pull down his pants and they spank him. Yeah, and Jesse's like, Woo, look at that butt. Boink. Yeah, yeah, but but I appreciate that he he comes off as a very genuine person. Yeah. And I don't I don't feel like it's like it's the typical we're picking on the fat guy kind of character or fat people are stupid. It's kind close of character. to that, man. Yeah. It is I mean, going through it again especially, it is so much of like, oh I don't got, got me working on an empty stomach. I need to refuel. And he's constantly just like banging on his stomach and yeah. looking at it. Like <laughs> just wants yeah. that Midgar special. <laughs> oh, that's sweet yeah. Midgar special. That with a Cosmo Canyon on the side. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> but but I think I think for me it's just that he's he is such a likable character. And, and that he is the the kind of person that, I mean, and it's the way that he tries to, to bring everyone together and, you know, yeah. he cares about all of his comrades and stuff like that, that, that makes him feel like a more, a fuller, well, fuller character, I guess. Uh, not full enough. <laughs> oh, Jesse. Uh, yeah, I, think, I like the... Um, I like the little detail early on. It's so subtle, but I think there's kind of an implication in the start of chapter two that Barrett, the reason Wedge is around is he's like the city layout guy. 
I think mm-hmm. there has some right, yeah. reference to like, oh, you know where we're at wedge or something. So I love those different specialties for everybody. But then yeah. on top of him being like, you know, I, I don't think he's one note. I agree. The comedy about him being fat is too much, but like being the city layout guy. And then also the most defining part of his characteristic that he loves cats. <laughs> weird, weird little thing about, I like cats too. This game's a little bit weird with cats. Like, I feel like I've got a lot of cats in the first four chapters. Nasir Siddiqui says, have you noticed a sort of running theme? Okay, this is why the community is smarter than us. Have you noticed a sort of running theme throughout the game involving dogs versus cats? Shinra's mascot is Stamp the Dog, and the first non-human enemy we fight in the game are guardian dogs. Also during the scene at Jesse's house in Chapter 4, when Cloud is waiting to break in, there's an obvious parallel with the four cats in her background mirroring mm-hmm. Jesse, Biggs, Wedge, and Cloud. Wedge is also a huge cat fan and even gets chased by the guardian dogs in the battle at the end of Chapter 4. Nasir, you're very smart. Yeah, usually um, a lot of times I'll tell people to unsubscribe. I, I think he needs to resubscribe. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, there it is. There it is. Uh, uh, Robbie Flanagan says, is there something you folks saw fleshed out more that you truly enjoyed and was happy to see? Conversely, was there something that was fleshed out that you wish would have stayed shorter or simpler? Mm, that's a good mm. question. I-, I can think of one. I- I've loved the fleshing out more, like Avalanche in particular, I think is just incredible what they've done, what they've done to those characters. But the one thing where I... The the main lore beat so far, I'm like, ah, I don't like this, is the idea that this avalanche we know and love is one part of a larger avalanche. Oh, the, sure, the sure. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I, we're like oh, I mean, that, that's, just, that's a seed, man. The, I know they're going to be doing more with it later, but it kind of robs the power of, like, the lovable rogue group of avalanche in my mind that like, Oh no, there's like this larger kind of militarized aligning with Wu Tai avalanche organization that these cool characters were kicked out of for being too, too extreme. extreme. Yeah. It just, it feels a little bit like, you know, Oh yeah. In, in, uh, in episode four in star Wars, when Luke blew up the death star. Yeah. There was like a whole other rebel alliance, um, that you didn't see that was bigger and more well-equipped, you know, it's just like this feeling of like, no, that's not what I want from my rebels, you know? Yeah. Not Not my my rebels. Not my rebels. Yeah. Not my rebels. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Um, like, Uh, Oh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Ronnie. Uh, no, I, I just like so far, I, I just haven't thought in that context of just like, like what, what maybe they would have been better to just kind of pull back because any, any sort of like just expounding anything in this world just feels like such a treat. And so far, most of it doesn't feel completely out of line, but I, I do agree with what you said, Ben, where it does kind of take a little bit. Those implications mean a little bit more in terms of just like how we look at these characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might be skipping ahead a little bit, but does Roche count as something then fleshed out that I could do without? Okay, here we go. Let's let's break open the seal. Uh, Benjamin Reeves wrote in, <laughs> as informed as ever. He says, "Hi, Kyle, <laughs> Jeff, I'm Surreal, and that other guy." Um, I, I'm a big fan of the original game. A few friends and I actually did a game club for the original a few years back, which is <laughs> which is kind of like a deepest dive. I think you'd like it. Anyway, overall, like I'm really liking this remake. However, does anyone else really hate Roach? 
the crazy soldier on the bike. To me, he seems like an early contender for Dork of the Year, and every time he comes on screen, I groan. An insane dude who is really good at everything, speaks in mediators, and is immediately obsessed with the main character. I'm pretty sure I've seen this archetype in Japanese media before. So what's the deal? Who likes this kind of character? He's not funny, and he looks like a doofus. The way he's able to break the laws of physics and he whips his bike around in odd angles is completely ridiculous and really bothers me, too. Anyways, I really hope he doesn't become a big part of the story going forward, but can anybody defend this guy? <laughs> what am I missing? Thank you for writing in, Ben Reeves. Yeah. Uh, when I first saw that guy, I thought, this has to this has to be a character from the original because he's so stupid. Don't that, pin that on us. We're not associated that, with that, him. That must be like that must be what some designer thought was cool back in the nineties. <laughs> and and then when I learned that this is a new character, it blew oh, my no. mind. It was like this in twenty twenty, a designer <laughs> thinks that this guy is cool. <laughs> and and the, the thing about the physics is right on. That it's it's like a kid playing with a little motorcycle toy. And flipping it around and thinking that looks cool. It just, every time he came on, I, I could not believe what I was seeing. Uh, my, my first thought was that he felt like he was pulled out of a contemporary Final Fantasy game. Yeah. And he, mm-hmm. does not, he does not fit the narrative of not my Final Fantasy VII, not my world, man. Yeah. I, uh, he is, I realized, he is Chris Pratt combined with Woody Woodpecker. Like, that's the character <laughs> they're going for with this guy. But at the same time, controversial opinion, I, I like him. I like seeing him on screen. Oh, okay, oh, okay, no. hang on, hang on, hang on. I get, I'm, I'm Unsubscribe, I'm going to do, do you one better, man. Yeah. I love Roche. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Roche boys! Hell yeah! I, I, I loved Roche. I just, I thought he was so, he was so absurd and yes. silly and over the top. You know who I thought of? I thought of, um, uh, in Legend of Zelda, the one that no oh, one played, uh, except Ben Hansen, Skyward Sword, Groose! Yeah. Oh. That's right. I, oh, okay. Groose is loose in the hoosh. Um, he's pretty much... I'm having some issues with Patreon. Where do I unsubscribe? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to yeah, actually... Can I get my money back from previous months? I'm trying to unsubscribe from Ronnie's Discord call for saying, Roos is loose in the hoose. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I... Um... I, here's, Ronnie, here's why I like him. I like him because um, somebody brought up gosh i'm forgetting it's there's a lot of notes here but somebody brought up that they love that the game isn't yes eric seal brought up that he loves that the game isn't too serious that it has a level of self-awareness and yeah. i feel like that is Fantasy seven i think is a silly game in a lot of spots and i know he's over the top and the physics are all over the place but i feel like he brings back some of that feeling of just like wacky absurdity that is in that core game in moments and even though I, he's extreme and kind of jarring I think he's fun. I like his performance. I think the actor does a great job. I, I agree with with all that, actually. I, I think when I saw the trailer that he was in, I hated it. I, I thought, like, like th- that was the, the moment where I thought, like, this is more like Kingdom Hearts than I think it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then once he came on screen, and it was just like, he's a soldier. He's had the same training as, as Cloud has. And there's this like kind of like weird camaraderie where he just kind of feels bored and he has an opportunity to do something that he probably did in the war, which is actually fight somebody <laughs> that, that's competent. And he just revels in that. I love that so much. Yes. And I know he's over the top, but like I, I think there's room for that in this rendition. 
I completely agree. Um, he's impossible to criticize. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I like you that like the first time you see him when he's just like leaning back against the wall as the motorcycle goes by, the motorcycle goes by and like it is a second before he's like, ooh, mwah. like he's just like yeah. into yeah. it immediately. Like, you know, basically Pepe Le Pew or something, but I'm still on board. <laughs> but yeah, and just like the stuff he says where he's like, until one of our flames is extinguished, our dance will never end. And I yeah. love like before that boss fight, how he heals you fully. And he's like, here's to a fair fight, my uh-huh. friend. Like, I think that's right. so fun. Yeah, I, I was going to say the the one nice thing that I can say about him is I – I do like that he is so in on that rivalry between you to the point where he will knock out the other enemies that yeah, are I that are in that. that arena just to save you. And then he says something like, try and stay alive so that we can fight each other in the future, basically. Yes. Yes, I love that. Yes. I think he's, I understand probably, well, I mean, here it splits down. Uh, Daniel Willett Pine liked him and he liked that he makes motorcycle fights or motorcycle sounds like he yells vroom. Um, <laughs> Christian King says, I could not stand him. Patrick Henderson said, did Roach take the title for the sweetest mullet in the Final Fantasy series? Um, so it, it's all over the place. But uh, I do love the idea of like just having some other personality early on, even though they move Sephiroth up. It's like if they stuck with the bad people are all just Shinra, like they have some personalities. Some of them are fat, but there's nobody that really <laughs> pops as like a villain in this section. And so I like the idea of just packing mm. as much personality as possible into this one jackass. They, yeah. sure, they sure did. <laughs> <laughs> they, packed, they packed that jackass well. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, there, there are a lot of villains in the story and the kind of the strange thing is, is they could have taken any of those villains that do have a lot of character and put them just a little bit earlier in the story and probably had that same sort of experience, but that they made a new character like this that's that plays more of like this fun little rival to Cloud, I, I think is it's gonna be fun. Yeah. And I, I, I can't wait to see where it goes. And we learned you know, from Dirge of Cerberus that Hojo has a ton of character. I mean, they could have just kept his <laughs> yeah. laughing scene from Dirge in this one. Uh, I, I heard it was the same uh, soundtrack too, so <laughs> there there was one person um in terms of how they felt in the original versus this new remake, Heidegger felt much more menacing to me. Oh, yeah. Um, mm, he was just kind in of a quick a, scene? Yeah, he was kind of a bumbling, like a bumbling oaf in in the original to me, but just based on his dialogue. Yeah. But um, he he looked like a, a menacing figure in this in this remake. Jeff, that's the guy when they show like President Shinra uh, in that real quick scene where they're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Real quick, last thing about uh, Roach. Roach? I feel like I'm blowing the pronunciation. Roach. Roach. Okay, thank you. Um, so Kevin Robinson has a great note saying, Roach. R- Roach. Roach, uh, <laughs> Roach is actually wielding the same start. <laughs> Damn it. Roach is actually wielding the same starter sword Zack uses in Crisis Core. It's definitely a cool reference oh, wow. to third class soldiers having standard equipment compared to first class getting more specialized equipment like the Buster Sword and the Masamune. That's uh, a great suggestion there. Yeah, that's 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 an awesome little tidbit of trivia. Yeah. Also, I I don't know if you noticed, but he's boners for motorcycles. Too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I, get several I did people, notice that actually. Several people yeah. write in saying he was boners for motorcycles. <laughs> uh, there is a. Let's see. I do have something that relates to that. Tom says it seems clear that part of the DNA of Final Fantasy VII is quote. Sick motorcycle fights. 
a topic <laughs> explored from the original and fleshed out in Advent Children and personified with Roche in Chapter 4. Also, Dirge of Cerberus has it. Uh, Dr. Big says, Chapter 4 was a sweet treat. The opening of that chapter was surreal to me. The music blasting. Right, 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 right. That's stupid song. <laughs> uh, the music blasting while speeding through the corkscrew tunnel feels so, so good. I used to be a Tifa man, but I think Jesse may have won my heart in this chapter. That's sweet. Uh, oh Darren also says, during the motorcycle section in Chapter 4, I basically said out loud, I'm liking this game. The motorcycle yeah. segment <laughs> felt like it was from the late 90s with the rock music playing and the way it was designed helped make it feel more unique than most AAA games nowadays. I think that's why I enjoyed it as much as I did. I I wasn't that crazy about the motorcycle scene. Where were the rest of you on that? I really liked it. Really? Yeah, I don't know. It just kind of felt like... Um, it was just like a change of pace and just kind of saying, yep, we can do... We, we can go in um, unconventional directions. And I, I actually had fun doing it. It, it felt so... I, I don't know. It's like, I hate that feeling where it's like, okay, I'm boosting and there's an enemy directly in front of me and I just can't quite reach him. I know you have like the long range attack, but That's it just fair. feels so gross mm-hmm. to me. And it feels like yeah. mechanically it is 70% the same as it was in the original game where it also was like, all right, it was fine back then, you know, but to, in this day and age, it just feels like a the motorcycle section from Crash 3 or something. You know, it just feels like so <laughs> yeah. weird on a physics basis. Yeah. It felt kind of shoehorned in. Um <laughs> And it also like it lasted a little bit too long for me. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a it was a fine little diversion, but yeah, I think th- five minutes shorter, and I would have been more on board with it. Yeah. Uh, Beaten down, Brian says during the motorcycle chase sequence, there are three different cutscenes you can get with Jesse at the end, depending on how well you do. My first time doing it, I took a bit of damage, and at the end, Jesse teases Cloud about his bad driving. My game crashed as the next scene started, though, so I ended up having to redo that section, and this time I got through it relatively unscathed. This gave me a different cutscene where Jesse praises Cloud for his amazing driving and asks if he wants a reward. Cloud just kind of grunts, at which point Jesse reaches forward and gives him a little smooch on the cheek, chilling, telling him, well, you got one anyway. After talking to a friend about this, he told me that he'd gotten a scene where Jesse praised his driving, but there was no smooch for Cloud. I'll be damned. Yeah, I love Hold that. Uh, I love that Jesse. I, oh, what's this? Did I miss a trophy on this then, too? I'm, I'm going to have to go back. I'm going to have to scrap the whole game. Are you, really, are you paying attention to trophies in this grant? 100%, yeah. What are you going for? I want that platinum. Wow. <laughs> Check out awesome. the big brain I'm Grant. Uh, I like that. Uh, I like the little detail of Jesse's like, do you know how to drive this thing? And Cloud's like, yeah, everybody in Soldier's trained to drive a motorcycle. It's like, oh, that's such a fun idea. And then also, <laughs> when Jesse's just like having so much fun on that ride, and at the end, Cloud's just like, get off. He's just like, this <laughs> <Yeah>. is done. <laughs> this is too silly. Um, and by trained, that means to become motorcycle the last airbender right <laughs> yes i believe so you saw him uh zach galoo says chapter four was a delight i was smiling from ear to ear the whole time the suburban community built for shinra employees on the upper plate is such a brilliant bit of world building it really feels reminiscent of a lot of the suburbs in and around tokyo probably my favorite addition to midgar that wasn't featured in the original game so that part was new completely <clears throat> new yeah you just stuck in the slums uh for most of the original midgar so it was bizarre and just like realizing where that mission was going of like oh are they gonna make this another bombing run or what is this and then jesse's like i need to go to my house and interact with my parents i was over the moon like i Mm. love that level of just weirdness of like not only am i happy to see jesse built upon but like i get to meet jesse's parents that is so silly and then you go there and jeffy might be the only person who, who cares but it felt to me like that goodfellas scene 
where they go to like Tommy's mom's house, you know, and like get the knife. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, can I borrow this knife, mom? It's like such a weird scene to be like trying to hide your real selves in this environment. Uh, Craig Marshall says, when I what I find funny is how none of the NPC characters react to how the main crew is dressed. After the opening mission and they're on the train, the passengers are talking about the terrorist attacks on the reactor. Our gang is dressed in full combat gear, including Cloud with a gigantic sword and Barrett, who is a mountain of a man with a giant gun on his arm. Uh, <laughs> this is why it's relevant. We already brought that up, but thank you, Craig. But he says, also at Jesse's parents' house, uh, she tells her mom she is a performer at Gold Saucer and Wedge is a stagehand. But again, she has combat armor on and Wedge has grenades hanging off his uh-huh. belt. <laughs> Yeah, that is very silly. But hey, yeah. she makes a mean Midgar special. And okay, hang on. This is the weird part is that scene where then you go in. Okay, Sean Mills says, this is my first time playing Final Fantasy VII, but what stuck out the most to me was how the game makes me feel unheroic as Cloud. In particular, breaking into Jesse's parents' house feels terrible. And when you see her dad in a coma, it highlights how gross what you're doing is. I'm enjoying this game and I'm excited to see where the story goes. That was yeah. shocking. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, like, there's an undertone of, like, hey, wait a second, um, in that first chapter, you may have killed thousands of people. Right. You know, like... Marlene so, even has a line where she's like, did there, did the people who die return to the planet, Dad? He's like, yes, let's move on, you know? It is <laughs> this weird thing, and that was, I'm totally with Sean here, that was the moment of, wait, are we the baddies here? If I'm breaking in mm-hmm. and, like, her dad is in a coma and I'm sneaking around his room like a cartoon character? That right, line, but okay. that line too of my dad will be in there, but don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. What? Yeah. <laughs> you you feel like you feel like Cloud would would be like, well, wait a second. What about this part right here? The, <laughs> yes. He said, don't worry about it. I'm gonna worry about that until you tell me what's going on. You know, yeah. just don't wake up Mr. Raspberry in there. <laughs> <laughs> just don't wake Daddy. <laughs> the. Uh, but that is where I love that detail of, yeah, like I was mentioned before, that she's a singer at the Gold Saucer. And then you find that note that she yeah. got the part to play the princess at the Gold Saucer, which is an exact role. Like, did you get that reference, Ronnie? Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. Okay. Yeah. It's oh, like, yeah. And that, that was, yeah. It, it, to uh, an, an earlier um, person that, write, that wrote in about just like how they're scoping out the world or like building it beyond what um, this game's scope is, is... Like, I, I hadn't thought about that until that writer, like, brought that out. And I thought, yeah, you're totally right. That is absolutely amazing that they're, you know, looking ahead and just kind of, like, finding opportunities to make this a more rich world. Yeah. Uh, great name. Justin Jungles says, uh, Wedge saying, okay, can anybody do a Matt Jones impression? I'll try. Wedge saying, oh, boy. he's serious, Cloud. She'll beat the sh- out of us yeah. <laughs> oh that's good is the best good. thank you is the best line of the game so far and it's so much better coming from badger from breaking bad i was laughing at that one for a while because it's so at a left field and yeah that is yeah, tying I, into. Oh, i yeah. really like that moment too and just how genuine he is and how scared they are of her yes yes yeah. for that idea of like don't tell her that you know about why like what propelled her to get into trying to save the planet, to get into planetology, as they put it, is that idea that she thinks her dad's soul is being trapped in this limbo and in the coma because it's still part in the reactor. So she has to blow up the reactor so it can fully be consumed by the life stream, mm-hmm. which is like, what an awesome idea. That's like new seven lore that's really interesting. Yeah. And I, I like, I heard that part and I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't quite fully grasp where that's going. And so, Ben, can you say that one more time? <laughs> oh, well, as they explained that, um, 
Hang on, Jesse's not on the line, is she? What do you expect us to do with Jesse? <laughs> I was really hoping. <laughs> Anyways, no, it's that idea that he was a he was a worker at the reactor, and right. then there was an accident, and then he went into a coma or whatever he's in, and she thinks that his soul is stuck part way between the reactor and the life stream, and that if she could just blow up the reactors, then it would like her soul, his soul would like come back. I th- or just be at peace. I think is the idea. She awesome. could okay. she could have not become a terrorist and just put a pillow on her dad's head. I think that's also an option. <laughs> <laughs> just to really return him to that life stream. <laughs> oh, oh, was it Heidegger over there? What's going on? <laughs> now I understand why you're a Roche boy, Ronnie. He just goes vroom vroom instead of talking about <laughs> talking about the live stream. Uh, Edgar Vroom Vroom Cloud. <laughs> that guy rules. Uh, Edgar H said why did Cloud leave the back door wide open after getting the key card from Jesse's house? Also, he's a terrible cat burglar. Yeah. Also, <laughs> why is this game so horny? We're not sure, Edgar. Um, a Segabon. Oh, oh, hang on. Square. Uh, Evan Plumley says Square must have an open door policy. Any door that you walk through in the game just remains wide open. If you return to your apartment and get into bed, you can see your apartment door wide open with no way to close it. When you steal Jesse's father's ID card and slyly slip out the back door, you leave it wide open. As a gamer who likes to close doors, I open, I was triggered. A lot of people <laughs> upset about those doors. Um, let's see. Joseph Vessel, I really love the part in the epic fight at the Shinra warehouse in chapter four where Wedge comes to the rescue with his pack of Shinra dogs. When the sh- pack of Shinra dogs attack, it's the cinematic moment where Wedge declares, I've got this. And you think he's going to do something really epic. Instead, he pulls out a dog whistle and runs like crazy. <laughs> it seems so stupid, but they pulled it off so well that it genu- genuinely made me smile. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's another moment where you know Wedge is kind of the butt of the joke, but, but it's it's also endearing that he's willing to do that. Wedge is the kind of guy who will jump out, you know, when when he gets captured as well. He's the kind of guy who will jump out and try and save his friends, and that's not usually something that I associate with the fat guy who's just the butt of the jokes. Right, yeah. right. Before that, I kind of wondered like. Is is he kind of the coward, like the guy that they just like kind of keep around? But like that was the moment where he says, like, no, I'm I'm totally invested in this, and I'm going to try to save you. Mm-hmm. I really like that as well. Yeah. So yeah. And uh, b- before they invite Cloud on the the second reactor mission too, right before we cut this game club off, or this this deepest dive off portion, um, Wedge tries to volunteer too, but they mm-hmm. make him stay back to take care of uh, everybody left the seventh heaven. It's not like he's afraid to jump into the fray he he wants to help out right yeah yeah absolutely um okay should we keep rolling with that what do you think of the the big boss fight then with uh with roche it was good (laughs) (laughs) and that's the kind of insight you can expect from the deepest stuff i i think honestly honestly that one the mutant hound in the one side mission was the was the battle that gave me the most problems. Really, I don't even remember that one. I don't think it was that. I I think I did it out of order or something. I died a couple times there, but it the the Roche one. I think I I had I must have had like a limit saved up or something mm. like that. So it it I it didn't take too much for me. It, yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, like it it wasn't difficult, but like. There, there were I, I feel like a couple of different parts of the fight, and the the first part of the fight was deceptively kind of like simple, and I kind of wondered to myself like ah is that is that kind of it? And then it it 
it changes a little bit and he becomes more difficult. And there were definitely some times where I was just like, oh, I'm 200 health left. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he packs a punch. And like, especially in that second phase, he does more of those charging attacks where he starts to repeat yeah. the same lines over and over again, which was kind of annoying. But still, I love the idea of the fight of like, you know, people have said the fights are really chaotic. They can't track everything, jumping between characters. I love that. It's just like, no, no, no. It's just mano a mano, just you and I. And just like mm-hmm. this weird circle vibe was so fun. That was the first fight where I had to plan how I was going to use my ATB. Yeah. Uh, knowing I was going to take some damage um, and stepping back a little bit to heal instead of just going full offensive. Yeah. Yeah. And before yeah. that, even Jesse Spencer says, uh, Hey, how are we feeling about summons? Is it random for them to begin charging? If so, it was one of my biggest complaints with Final Fantasy 15 was the absolute random nature of when you can summon, and to me, would be one of the biggest departures from the original. Uh, yeah, so used, I mean, I used Ifrit for the first time there because it seems like it's only available for the larger fights. Um, what do you think of Ifrit? Um, I loved it. I, I thought that was just so cool, and I, I was excited to see that the battle lasted long enough for me to to check out both of his, his abilities because he's, he's got one that is just one gauge and one that's two gauges, and um, I, 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 don't, I don't mind that. I, I feel like, you know, summons are these big, grand amazing things and you know in in the older final fantasy you can literally summon a god to kill a frog you know like maybe it makes sense that they will show up when you're in need i i'm I'm cool with that sort of floor change yeah um oh tristan phillips says i really enjoyed the shinra guard holding back the elderly woman with a broom after you caused a distraction mm. for Jesse's mission. Apparently she was so angry that it could be waifu invading. I assume that's an autocorrect and he meant uh, Wutai. But that it could be <laughs> waifu invading. She was willing to fight a fellow Shinra guard with her broom. That is fun. Uh, Xavier Perez says, I love the parachute scene. The whole sequence with Cloud strapped to Wedge and parachuting off the plate back to the slums is one of my favorite in recent memory. It also feels like one of the first moments that humanizes Cloud with him cracking jokes, like you're saying, Grant, instead of just being the cold, silent merc. Also, Cloud parting with Wedge by saying, really sorry about your ass, is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Uh, Time Bob Tom says, after landing from the parachute, if you go to the playground, there's a creepy little girl who likes to play at night, which creeped me out a little bit. That's a great point. Uh, uh, I like that Shinra left only two parachutes there. <laughs> yeah. And like Jesse's dad knew about it. It's like anybody could walk down and get this and then have a great time parachuting down to a pretty cool slum overall. Yeah. Uh, Joe Halaska says at the end of chapter four, after you return to the slums, Wedge tells you about Jesse's house. Obviously, it's part of the story, but come on. We all know he's talking about Jesse Pinkman. That is true. <laughs> Don't go near it, Cloud. Don't go near it. Uh, Carl Grenier says, the moment that caught my attention the most was very quick and subtle. It's near the end of chapter four, once the attack of the Dementors is over, when Cloud picks up Jesse to bring her inside Seventh Heaven. The camera shows Tifa's reaction very briefly before changing camera angle, and she really didn't like that action from Cloud. You could feel her jealousy even after the camera cut. I love that moment so much, and I can't t- wait to see other moments like that once Aerith enters the arena. Oh, very cool. I, I, I didn't see that. Yeah, the jealousy is a little bit silly in the original game, so I'm curious if it's a little more little more well done here. Um, but I loved after that fight, <laughs> like people are like coming around to look at this horrific thing that's happened, and Barrett's like, oh, there's always some crazy stuff coming out of that dump. And then he like screams at the crowd, and he goes, we ain't putting on a damn show! Let's get out of here! <laughs> so fun. Yeah, the, the one thing that I, I always... You know, think about um, just how insane Barrett is. <laughs> I, I mean, and I'm, yeah, insane, absolutely he is. Uh, 
the, the moment where he's just trying to like make a point to Cloud and he shoots his Gatling gun inches <laughs> away from his face. But then they, but then there's that moment like like as he's fighting these things where I I'm looking at it and I'm thinking like there's a lot of collateral damage happening here with these bullets that are flying. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean everybody is living in a crappy house, but I mean you don't want to damage Cloud's apartment more than you need to. Uh, no. Let's see. Jacob Geller says, it's my first time with Final Fantasy VII, and I'm so pleasantly surprised at how, sorry gamers, he says, political the story is. I knew the characters were hardline environmentalists, but what I didn't expect was a scene involving a sniveling Shinra middle manager who manages to spit out a hollow line about working together for peace and prosperity. Barrett might be an exaggerated character, but it's so satisfying that he's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you, Jacob. That's a great point. Um Okay, we, oh my god, we're all over the place. Let's go back one quick moment in chapter two before we rip the bandaid off and finally, ironically or paradoxically, get to chapter three. Is Andrew Valla said, did anyone else catch the Shinra troopers saying, wait, I know that, before Cloud jumps onto the train? I've always wondered what other Shinra troopers, whether they recognize Cloud, and I can't believe they put that in there, and I hope it pays off later. Uh, Yeah, I think that's a really interesting detail. And the crazy thing, too, is making the comparison trailer from the first gameplay trailer for 15 versus this one versus the retail is that was in the original gameplay trailer back in 2015. Like that element of like that one soldier recognizing cloud goes back that far, which is really interesting. Oh, wow. I'm curious. No, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's, it's an odd detail, uh, but I, I loved it a lot. Okay. We have somehow danced around this. We haven't really unpacked all of chapter three. Uh, <laughs> and the most important thing is Robin Jones says, so the filter service they provide is paid for after the filter has run out and then replaced? Surely people <laughs> must be buying the new filter when it's installed. What an odd system. It, it felt like um, you were the um, muscle in a, mo- in a, a, a the mafia. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And she's, like, really what it, she's yeah. trying to be like so cute about it. Like, come on, Cloud. It's a repayment yeah. system. You're well, like... financial disputes are handled by uh, this gentleman with a 400-pound <laughs> sword. Uh, That's I just mean... how water filters are sold by punk-ass bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have Cloud who looks like the wind could blow him over versus Barrett who's like a tree trunk of a man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what? They never need needed muscle. But Barrett doesn't want to deal with that. Like, he even says at some point, like, oh, Tifa's the money handler. Like, this is her issue. You know, like, let her deal with yeah. it. Yeah. The, uh, I'm like, I care my daughter. <laughs> very focused. <laughs> uh, let's see. So then, oh, I loved in Chapter 3. My favorite thing in games is having, like, a little home base. And early on in Chapter 3, when Tifa's like, let me show you your apartment that you can stay in. I'm like, oh my god, Cloud has an apartment? It's the <laughs> best. I love that crap. Uh, and specifically, uh, Travis Manick writes in about Marl, who's a new character in the remake and the owner of your fancy new apartment. My theory, the only reason her name is Marl is so Chrono Trigger fans would stop arguing about how to pronounce Marl. And I was right, <laughs> by the way. Yes, I love if that. If that's the case, that is brilliant. I mean, <laughs> Jeff, that must be a Chrono Trigger reference, right? Yeah, yeah I maybe. mean, you'd have to imagine that that goes through so many different people where, yes, that would have to be acknowledged in some place. Yeah, I would think so. Um, let's see, Adam Marin. Well, hang on. No, 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 no. I, I wanted to say, like, one thing that I liked about uh, Marley is that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, is that she, you know, she establishes that, like, like, hey, Tifa's been here for a while, and, and she's loved here. 
Yeah. Um, and, and she's, you know, created a home here. And so I, I, I kind of appreciated that, like, yeah, like Tifa's, Tifa found a home past her uh, home village. Yeah. And I love, too, that she calls Cloud out, like, yeah, people need skills, Cloud. <laughs> I have skills. <laughs> right. Yeah, come on. Real skills, buddy. Like, she, I just love that she doesn't trust Cloud. Like, every other woman is fawning over Cloud, which people have mentioned, but I love that Marl's like, I'm seeing through your crap, dude. Don't hurt Tifa. Right. Uh, yeah. Nicholas Freitas says the biggest game or the big game changer at the remake versus the original game for me is that the Sector 7 slums are a real place now. In the original game, I never felt like any of the slums felt like a real place where people lived. It just kind of felt like a cesspool of vagabonds and criminals. The remake does an excellent job of showing the player that the slums is a real community of people who know each other and look out for one another. I love when Tifa is giving Cloud a tour of the town and everyone is saying hi to Tifa and talking to her. It really gives the feeling that Tifa is the town bartender and everyone spills their heart out to her when they get plastered at 7th Heaven every night. Yeah. That's very well put. Uh, Dennis M says, I love the NPC dialogue. The conversations feel genuine. And when some dude says that he thinks Tifa's really hot, you realize that they're also just human. Hmm. Yeah. Good yeah. And that, yeah. And that like, yeah, Tifa's appearance isn't just like not noticed by everyone else in the world, you know? But hopefully it's not to a creepy, pervy degree. You know, it, I'd imagine that like, it's just like that she's been in this, you know, area or, or, or this town for so long that they know just like you know who she is and they like her so to speak i i, I but yeah you're totally right it, it could definitely get to the creepy degree did you um maybe i'm reading too much into it or i'm defensive about tifa but did you also get the vibe that like did she used to date johnny it seems that way yeah okay there's like a little history there but like he talks in his sleep basically you know it's like they they seem to know each other pretty well and so that that's where my mind went is like and even like the crazy guys selling items that was so mad at cloud like everybody that i ran into on that walk with tifa it probably was intentional i'm just like is there some history here what's going on tifa I'm like hey hey no judgment i i hope you had a good time in this town but i'm trying to figure out who she's connected to in what way you know no you're wrong about all that okay great everybody everybody but the junk dealer seems to have some kind of history <laughs> <laughs> the junk dealer's doing fine oh you wouldn't believe the junk string of honey is really lonely and desperate. it's weird Look, High potion for one date. High potion. <laughs> High potion. I'll hold you. Just hold my hand. Please. Just <laughs> some physical Look, contact. I have no. 14 high potions, junk dealer. I don't want what you're peddling. <laughs> um, just, just really quickly. Johnny was a character in the original Final Fantasy VII. What? Well. Yeah. In the wall market, though. Wait, is he? Was... I feel like he, he's, he's also in... Uh, I feel like he... At least his avatar is in... Um, uh, uh, Sector 7 as well. Really? I don't remember was that. He, yeah. All I remember is him having a line of like, I think you're right. One, one throwaway line of like, oh, that Tifa. And that's yeah. all I can think of. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, you're right. Perfect. Uh, Evan Plumley says the NPC chatter in the slums is really interesting. At one point I heard somebody say, what will happen if the rich folks up on the plate think it'd be safer to live down here? I thought this was an interesting commentary on potential gentrification. I also heard an NPC uh, bash the clothing of another saying... It looks like something you would pull off a Walmart shelf. I'm assuming this is Square Enix oh, digging against Walmart? Low blow, Square. Low blow. <laughs> I don't know. That, I hope that's what that is. But I don't know. Maybe just Walmart is the, the trashy place that we'll find in the future. Those, those hooligans, though, said that, uh, that this slum has nothing on Walmart. Like, I, Walmart's the cool place to be. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. I, I, guess, I guess we'll eventually get there. Um, Tanner Hoisington, by the way, mentions them. Uh, and when the hoodlum says some threat to Cloud, 
Okay, so and let me rephrase this. Tanner Hoisington's favorite moment in the game so far is when a hoodlum says some stupid threat to Cloud, and then Cloud says, like, I give a shit, and then pulls out his buster sword, and the battle music kicks in. <laughs> uh, Nabi Buckholtz says, so I think I missed something. When fighting the four toughs who were looking for a big, muscle-bound man with a gun for an arm, it looked like two of them were starting to surrender. However, I had already hit the attack button before I could react, and they went on to keep fighting. Did anyone else notice this? And can they actually surrender? Uh, I didn't notice that. No idea. If they can, I did not give them a chance to. No, I, I used murdered the, them. I used the triple strike, so they were <laughs> they were all screwed. They, <laughs> Jeff and put them all to sleep. That's oh, sleeping man. real hard. <laughs> yeah, but I put them to sleep in that in that area with the mutant rats. So. <laughs> Just gnawing on their That's sleeping bodies. <laughs> Adam rats Ranch. actually crawled underneath their heads to make a nice little pillow. Hunkshu, hunkshu. Anna Moran says, I love how they kept little NPC character interactions like the mean guard versus the nice guard and that couple getting cozy fresh off the train in Sector 7. It really hits the nostalgia button. That is nice. Yaro yeah. is getting to my heart here. Says, did anyone notice the Patrick Warburton cameo in Chapter 3? There's a sign you interact with and a no-name guard says, you don't want to mess with the monsters in here. Move along. One of my favorite voice actors and it stands out so much to me that it caught me by surprise, especially for a throwaway line. I heard that too. I don't think it's Patrick Warburton. I think it sounds a lot like him. Did you guys hear this? No. Okay. Uh, who's Patrick Warburton? Uh, Putty from Seinfeld. That's right. <laughs> uh, or uh, Joe from uh, Family Guy. Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Musky Goron also is up my alley saying, I got one very simple but burning question. Is Weimer Hank Azaria? This was it. This was a double whammy in chapter three. I'm like, what the hell? Where Weimer, the guy given the quest, sounds like Hank Azaria, like from The Simpsons. And it is, hmm. I don't know if it's him. I looked in the credits and they're not listed in there. So if it is just like this weird, like celebrity casting, it's a very confusing strategy. Um, Forrest Lastman, the writing of the town is shockingly well done. You'll find conversations around every corner in town and people talk about everything from big events in the world to small personal matters. I also love the fact that as you complete missions and side quests, people's uh, dialogue updates to reflect what you've done. Like Alan Liebold notices that um, Wedge apparently has some of the slum residents thinking Cloud is a merch instead of a merc. A couple of them can be heard saying <laughs> things like, is that the guy Wedge was talking about? He doesn't look like a merchant to me. And I wonder what he <laughs> sells. So like, is the idea that Wedge is just confusing merches with mercs? <laughs> I I love that. that that's probably my I, I didn't experience that, but that's probably my favorite part of that whole thing. I actually, that was one point, where, like, as I was kind of running down one of the hallways of the town, I, I had this moment of just like, man, I've heard that dialogue a lot. Yes. I kind of wish that this would go away well, in, in RPGs. I hear you. Uh, Alan Liebold uh, says the sheer amount of background chatter is staggering. Something that started to bother me a little was the constant scroll of subtitles taking up screen space. I ended up turning chat log off in the options, and it helped me a lot. Oh uh, Yeah, yeah. I guess. I'm sorry, Ron, are you eating a frozen burrito over there? Or? Gotta be. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I did a quick search, and Weimer is voiced by Andre Sogliazu. Oh, that's his pen name. That's Hank Azaria's pen name. And yeah. Patrick Warburton. No, that was not Patrick Warburton in the Final Fantasy VII remake. I, I searched for Patrick Warburton's Twitter account to see if he's ever mentioned Final Fantasy, and it's not in there. But <laughs> it's clearly a weird sound to like then. Uh, so Rob Hudak uh, says, oh, there's a little boy 
who was like, he says some line where he's like, assessing candidates or something like that. And he said, there's a little boy crouched in a metal container pretending to be a scout surveying the terrain. There's a part of me wondering if that boy's in awe of seeing an ex-soldier strolling around his neighborhood, serving as an inspiration in a similar manner to our baby blues protagonist's childhood. Also, uh, was there... Was anyone else conflicted when they saw the guy outside Seventh Heaven struggling with the barrel? I wanted to help him, but at the same time, I didn't want to deprive him of that personal victory. I don't know what he's talking about. The guy with the barrel? I didn't Uh, notice anything. No, I didn't either, but that's also just... There's a guy who's yeah. There's a guy who's just trying to push a barrel up onto onto like a cart or something. Oh, okay. Mm. I, I don't know that if you can interact with. I him. don't think you can. Is what he's saying. But uh, Zach Rigney loves that the guy is doing exercises or doing the squats with the basic animations from the original game. Um, Ryan Pretz says this game committed the gravest of sins in this day and age. Not being able to play the pinball machines in Seventh Heaven. Mm. What's up with that? They even go as far as to make the score. All sevens, when someone activates a pinball machine to go down to the secret hideout, pouring more salt on the wounds. It's absolutely unforgivable. Yes. I yeah, agree. I wanted to play that sucker when I saw it. I know. Darts are fun. What, what do we want? Darts are good. Um, uh, Andrew Valla says, I love Marl. As for Chadley, uh, it's early in the game, but I can already tell <laughs> I can already tell that this robot boy is not only going to be around for the rest of the game, but he will probably haunt me for the remainder of the series. For the love of Bahamut, Omnislash this creep into Jupiter. <laughs> he's, he's going to be in the last place of the entire game. He's going to be down there and be like, did you assess 145 enemies? <laughs> I did not, good sir. It's basically like a Nook Miles system from Animal Crossing. Here, right? Like He just wants to do these little things and like, I did a couple of them. I guess I did everything you wanted. And then it looked in the material he was making was like, chump change. Come on, Chadley. I'm still gonna. I'm still gonna do it. There were there were some good ones. I don't, I'm assuming they'll become that you can get them later. But isn't isn't he the one that you get the auto cure material from? Yeah, that is, that is true. Yeah, I think then they say that he makes stuff that won't be available anywhere else. So they're forcing you to like Chadley and that <clears> confusing <throat> bandana that I keep thinking is a bird on his shoulder, but it's not. Yes, that, whatever the hell that. If you say that's a bandana, then I guess I have to believe you. But then, <laughs> Wait a second, confusing me too. He has something useful. I assessed one enemy. Oh God, I blew oh, it, guys. Yeah, you he just uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> we're, we're we're saying he might have something useful. <laughs> I mean, I can live without auto cure. I can I can take care of my uh, my posse myself. I guess. Is but... it worth hearing Chadley's voice one more time to get that auto cure, Grant? <laughs> no, I don't think it is. <laughs> Uh, Unless there's a trophy attached to it, then I'm in. <laughs> Chadley's my boy. There's a, tr- a trophy. It says tolerate Chadley. No. Uh, it's actually, that's the last trophy. It's actually gold. <laughs> yeah, it's very rare. Uh, Chase Klein says, Chadley? Really? His name is Chadley? Like a cross between Bradley and Chad? <laughs> <laughs> Why? It's very good. Uh, can, I, can I re- rename him Chodley in my game? Yeah, oh, <laughs> Eric, please. Uh, Henrik Mortensen says, Why does it take so long to see the character models in the enemy type menu? I never bother to wait for them to appear before I leave the screen. That It, it does take a while. Uh, yeah, the, it, it really does. With being down Brian saying the game crashed on him, technically, how's it running for everybody else? It's been um, great for me. Um, there, there were occasions when something would look a little low res. Yeah, like doors or things. So my my PS4 Pro is a PS4 No. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to reinstall due to a corrupted data file thing. My oh, that's my fun. my one year old Pro is just 
been a joke lately. I, I can't stand this thing. Weird. Yeah, my base PS4 is running this thing like a champ. It's not too loud. Yeah. And it looks amazing. Yeah, but uh, everything's no looked, honestly, for me, like, same thing. Uh, base PS4, everything looks great. Um, it sounds like an airplane. Really? Mine does Yeah, I mean, like, like obviously, it's, it's showing its age. And everything has looked absolutely great, with the exception of the junk dealer. That one <laughs> looks a little bit... <laughs> A little weird in terms of the face. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what's going on there, but I, mean, I don't think it had completely loaded in the high res. <laughs> and I waited. And I waited <laughs> yeah. Time for it's just that's the guy's. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, Ron, you have like a full size cat inside your PS4. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of hair in there. Nah, I get it. <laughs> hey, speaking of which, Justin Jungle says I liked how I was super bored looking for cats in the game, and then Cloud audibly said, "This sucks." <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, it cracked me up that he said exactly what I was feeling. Yeah. But why? include side content like that if even if, if even the main character is going to say that it totally sucks it uh, needs to die so i did that part happily the only thing i didn't do was chadley i don't know why <laughs> see i i love chadley i will go to the ends of the earth for chadley but <laughs> i did all the side quests and then this was the one that i was like i'm not gonna do it like i did i found three cats i think and then I was well, like, that was I, all you needed to find. Well, then yeah. I found two cats, I think. And I was like wandering around the town, like, if I stumble across a third one, that's fine. But like, I'm not going right. to cruise the streets looking for a stupid cat. Like, it really, these these side quests overall are the low point, I think, of, of this chunk. Just because, I mean, when you're an RPG, literally, and your side quest is go kill three rats, like, literally, that's what they're having you do. It's like, come on, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. That was my note that the. Uh, the side quests feel a bit fillery, but at this point, fletching out Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse is so much more important to me than a couple of side quests here and there. Like, I, yes. I'm willing to look past it. It's it's cool. Yeah, but I I think that's you know how you said it. it's just like we're we're in the stage right now where we're we're definitely not going to drive any joy from this, but we're willing to look past it. And it's just like okay, well then this is just you know an artifact of the past now. It it needs to go away. Yeah, and and. Justin's point uh, about like why include this and why have your character say this sucks um, why include it in the game like it's a thing we've been talking about forever with game clubs like um, Uncharted 4 I think is a big one with this where there's a trend in video games over like the last six years or so where the writing team and the story team throws the gameplay team under the bus it always happens Mm -hmm. like in Naughty Dog games where it's like Nathan Jericho be like what another wave of enemies or like how do these guys keep coming? Like they have to acknowledge the gameplay and like one aspect is just more mature than the other. Culturally. Oh, and it's a, it's a weird okay. spot that the video game industry is in. And I don't know how to get around it, but it happens all the time. And it drives me insane. Yeah. The answer is not to make a joke about how much it sucks. To just have it. Yeah. Suck. Just, just take it out of the game. If, if it's that bad, if it's, if it's so bad that you feel the need the need to recognize it and recognize what you're putting the player through then. But I think the, the catch there problem, is I think it's yeah. added like that dialogue. And this might be a different case, but it's type in like uncharted. I think it's such a throwaway thing. It's probably like a pickup <laughs> recording session with uh, uh, Nolan North. You know what I mean? And so it's like when it's baked into the core design, then it's like, and the last stage is they're not going to rework the entitled battle system. It's like, well, we can acknowledge this by making some joke about it. So it's just a yeah, matter right. of where it's coming in the development. I think for this game, you get, snippets of Tifa and Cloud's past while you're doing these side missions like I get why they have to exist there but it's just the content of the side mission that makes it kind of um, 
yeah, it makes it feel like a throwaway. Yeah, Keenan Horrell is there with you. He says, I see a lot of criticism on the side missions in Chapter 3, and while I agree they're not the best, I was happy for an opportunity to get more familiar with the battle system. That's a good point. It yeah. was like the really the most time that I focused on it in those yeah. in those warehouses. But also, after completing all of them, I was able to head back to my apartment for a cutscene with Tifa. It was a nice, intimate moment about what happened after Cloud and Tifa separated as kids. So I don't think I got that because I didn't do the cat thing. Is that right? That's oh, right. maybe, yeah, maybe you didn't. Um, yeah, so there, yeah, there's this moment where uh, Tifa just, like, comes and says, like, okay, well, let's meet up at my place, and I I don't remember the conversation that they had. I They they talk, I think, a little bit about uh, going out on the town. That was a thing. Um, and she says something about, like, like, hey, what should I wear? And then she they give you, like, three options in terms of just, like, Oh, really? What, what kind of a dress do you think she should wear on this date, apparently? Hang on, do I need to go yeah, back then, and load But then safe? you don't go on the date, right? I mean, so far, yeah, we've, we've not okay. gone on any dates yet. Hang on, am yeah, I going to... Because gonna, it, am, am it made gonna... it seem like the date was going to be that night, but then you end up going on the mission with Jesse, and so I didn't right. know if I had missed something or... But hang yeah. on, if it comes down to I'm going to miss a date with Tifa because I didn't want to find a third cat, I'm going to Hey, man, she TV. asked you to find the cat. She you know, I, hope, I yeah. hope that is the case, Ben. <laughs> That was so frustrating. Uh, Beating Down Brian says, when Tifa first brings you to the hotel, if you try to enter Tifa's room first, Cloud says, that's Tifa's room. Don't be weird. Okay, Square. Good call. That's nice. I like, um, I like that the hotel just feels like something out of No Country for Old Men. This is like such a weird <laughs> hotel in there. Um, okay, this is this is about it. The number one comment that we received. Jeff, if you had to guess, number one comment we got over and over and over again. Oh, man, I have no idea. That's right. You don't, because you are not going to see this coming. Although, Ronnie, you're great. Hold on. You want to take a guess? Is it, is it why does the back of Cloud's head look like a chocobo's butt? <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought the back of Marl's head looked like a chocobo's butt, but I love that we both thought of that. Uh, Ronnie. Mo- mostly, the, mostly the butthole, though, not just a butt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Marl's face kind of looks like a chocobo's butthole. Uh, <laughs> Ronnie, number one comment. Take your guess. I have no idea. I, I would imagine it's something to do with... Uh, Tifa and Cloud's friendship. Incorrect. I don't know. And I wish you would hang up. Uh, Adam Marin says, although the original game did a decent job of giving the slums a sense of place, being able to look up at the plate really emphasized that sense of oppression. It's stunning how good it looks, and it reminded me of District 9's visuals overall. The number one comment was people saying having that sense of place and being able to look up at the plate from the slums, mm. like when you first leave your apartment, blue minds like julian here i really love the set pieces in the game they're great but they're not my favorite things what touched me the most were the small moments when you get out of your room in chapter three and you hear the final fantasy theme final fantasy 7 theme play and see midgar in sunlight i just stood there for a couple minutes enjoying the beauty of this game joe halaska says the night and day lighting in the slums is pretty cool especially given the nature of the environment with the giant pizza on top blocking the sun except from the sides it puts you there in a way the original version couldn't Travis Mannix says, when I woke up in my apartment transitioning from night to day, I cheekily thought I found a glaring loophole. How could we see the sunlight despite a big city sitting above me? So I looked at the shadows on the ground, followed them in the opposite direction, and found a big gap in the plates, the perfect spot for some morning sun to shine through. Yeah. Oh, my God. Seriously. That, that, was, that, that is amazing. Yes. Um, and I'm I'm so happy that the community like that that's the number one thing that the community like took away from this is just like how oppressive the slums are supposed to be is such a testament to the work that has gone into this game because my god it was so it's so good it's so good is there a part of you that feels like they're getting away from the feeling of Midgar by making it not as oppressive and hopeful now 
Well, I mean, I, I would imagine that's what any community naturally gravitates to when they're in a, a situation where they're relying upon themselves. Like they become very, you know, they become reliant upon their neighbors to make things work. And I feel like Sector 7 uh, highlights that very, very, very well. Um, I, I, I don't think that, like, I, I would find it almost more unbelievable if everybody's just wallowing in sorrow. Like, then then the question is, this is like, well, how does this community even exist? What's keeping these people together? Yeah, yeah. Um, Henrik Mortensen writes in with something that I genuinely, like, Jesse, I thought about a lot um, after playing this section, but this is the thing that I've been thinking about the most. And Henrik Mortensen says, I find it interesting that they use the Final Fantasy VII main theme, or like the overworld theme, while walking around the Sector Seven slums. Yeah. It, I don't know if it's the right call. Like having that music in the original Final Fantasy VII feels like that liberating moment of like, it's a whole new world. And to slide that up to the slums, it feels like this weird, like they don't, they don't line up in my mind. Like it's nice to have some uplifting music in this area, but then it doesn't feel like the slums anymore. And it's that weird thing of like, well, they should have had this music somewhere in the first game. So I guess yeah. here is a fine place to put it, but did anybody else have a thought on that? Um, yeah, I, I I have the kind of the exact same. You know, like every time that it comes on, um, I love it. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy that it that it's on. But at the same time, like it represents something so different in the, yeah. the original Final Fantasy VII um, that. Like it's 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 just it's just different, and like I, I can't say exactly like where this is going to go, and whether or not this is um, you know they're going to have an even even more amplified version for that moment in the you know in the story of this remake. Yeah. Um, I, I, at this point in time, I, I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt that this is the right yeah. choice because I I feel like they know how important the song is. I would think so. Yeah. Uh, Derek Hellman says, first thing I wanted to mention is that I don't know who in the gaming industry cracked the code on dynamic scores, but this game is seriously brilliant at it. Tracks shift so seamlessly from lulls into these grand sweeping scores, highlighting specific moments, especially during the first mission. Yeah. I mean, that is the transitions are the part that blow my mind with the music overall. The music's incredible, but like it's the little things replaying that opening mission so many times. It's like having things timed just right and suddenly transitioning it so I don't even notice so that the crescendo of the song is happening right as Cloud looks at Shinra headquarters. It is like amazing. Yeah. It is just this stunning little magic that they pulled off. Yeah. Um, Julian says, I really liked when you meet Sephiroth in chapter two. <laughs> Hello, nice to meet you. Um, you, you hear, you hear <laughs> Who? The, <laughs> you hear the Promised Land theme playing, which is from Advent Children. So it's a nice nod to the compilation there. I'm sorry, who? Sephiroth? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. I got confused. <laughs> I thought you were making a show. <laughs> I thought you were doing a bit. <laughs> no. <laughs> sorry. Turns out you're a bit of a goof. Uh, <laughs> Adam Moran says, I'm so pleased the way they treated the soundtrack. Not only is the in-game orchestrated music everything I'd hoped for, but the genre-bent collectibles like the jazzed-out Tifa's theme or the EDM take oh, yeah. on the prelude are refreshing. And Knocking Nick says... I just wanted to point out again how awesome the hip hop to Chocobo theme is. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's right. He is right. It's incredible. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I do. I love all of the songs. Um, there, there are a couple times when like a comedic cue will kick in that feels very like 
lame Korean drama kind of okay. This is this is going to be a goofy a goofy scene. Huh. I, I think it, I think it happened when the when the when those gang members first came out. That's what maybe Kyle was talking about. Yeah, and it, it feels very over the top in terms of musical cues, but everything else. Oh sure. I'm I'm just so I have been so impressed, and and the when you guys were talking about the main theme song, that that was one of the points that made me write down in my notes about how this feels like such a cinematic and grand adventure beyond beyond what i usually get from video games so interesting but i don't know the context of it that you guys are yeah right 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 well i mean just just the fact that like if it's something that's you know is catching to you um like I, I think that's a testament to just like how strong the soundtrack is. I'm happy mm-hmm. to hear that because like there there are these times where I wonder like is it just like is this eighty percent nostalgia here or is this actually like good like a good piece of music <laughs> and <laughs> like I yeah, no, feel it's... like it's a good piece of music. Like mm-hmm. yeah, I think it is. I mean that is a huge takeaway from people. A lot of people are saying this is their first Final Fantasy. They've never played the original Final Fantasy VII and music and outside of music it seems like a big takeaway is people saying like it's really hitting me hard in a way that i didn't expect um jason m o'brien says i didn't expect so much of the charm oh but here's a negative thought um jason m. O'Brien <laughs> says i didn't expect so much of the charm to be missing there's a quaintness to the playmobile style of the original it reminds me of the jacob geller video essay bad graphics that's funny because jacob geller wrote in previously Look at him. Then he's oh, calling interesting. Out the um, Anyways, but he's saying, what Jacob said about Shadow of the Colossus and its remake, I feel about the Final Fantasy VII remake. It has lost some of its visual specificity and it f- fits more neatly into a portfolio. I've wondered whether remake would have been better served if it had a different visual style. Oh, that's that's interesting. Um, I haven't thought about that. Um, Visually, I, I'm so impressed by how it looks. Like the close-ups of Cloud, I think, are just stunning. And yeah, other than the weird... Uh, the fact that they're another species, as Ronnie put it earlier, um, that's the only thing that's kind of popped out to me. But otherwise, visually, I'm super happy with the way it looks. Right. Uh, but yeah, we're, I, I'm also super happy with the way that it looks. But like, you know, like looking back 15, 20 years from now, like, it, would it be kind of cool if it wasn't so like technically... I, I don't. I, I'm not. A you part think of it's going to age world. not as well because it's pushing it? Yeah, I, that's that's kind of what I wonder. Is it, you know, just kind of like in, it with regards to just like, well, maybe if they took a more like artistic or creative or cel shaded or whatever like approach, like would that have served it better Oof. in the long run? Can you imagine if they announced this and revealed that it was a cel shaded sequel? I feel like fans <laughs> would lose their minds. Like, I mean, we just saw that the the teaser for Resident Evil Four getting a remake. Yeah. And in my mind, Resident Evil 4 still feels like a good-looking game to me. Yeah, I think I, I really like the approach that they took, just pushing it to the limits of what today can do. And I, yeah. I guess yeah. I'm hopeful that this will age well, too. It is I, and in my mind, have that, that RE4 type feel to it. It will be shocking to look back at this after the final part of the remake is out. I'm sure it'll be like, woof. Oh boy! Those Maybe NPCs do I look don't know. EAB like there, there's still a part of me that's just like I can still look at Final Fantasy VII, the original, and think even back when we were playing it, like this looks a little goofy, but I still love like that that artistic style. And so like yeah, so this is going to this looks amazing today. It will look great in ten, fifteen years, or at least like yeah, that's that still looks very serviceable. Yeah. Uh, 
All right. Jeff Robison says the amount of detail in this game is astounding. What are some of y'all's favorite details that you've noticed? Does anything pop off? Uh, any reference to Loveless is just kind of where I'm at. <laughs> it is. You know, it's so stupid, Ronnie, but I was thinking about Loveless even more. I know we've talked about Loveless endlessly during the celebration of Office of Seven. Um, and Crisis Core taught me more about Loveless than I ever could have imagined. But, you know, there's something poetic that I didn't put together until right now that Cloud meets Aerith on Loveless Street. All right. We should stop there. Is that it? Because that's, that's, it's not going to get any better than that. <laughs> it's poetic. Anyway, so... Uh, Caleb Murray. Okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I just, I, I want to, I want to make sure that we get there. We really have not talked about just the conversation with uh, Aerith and Cloud. I feel like we haven't really talked about that. I mean, she gave him a flower and said these are good for when you're reuniting with a lover. I mean, is that really what all we want to say? I mean, <laughs> no, I mean what do you want to say? About? I mean, it's, I it's don't great. Know. I feel like, like the music's great. It's a very important. All right, moving on. <laughs> no, what, what is there to say about it? Unpack it, genius. Oh, no, I um, actually, I, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually wasn't, that was one of the, probably that's, that scene was something that I thought, like, I probably had too high of expectations. That actually, that, that scene, and I, that was the most that I've grimaced in this game was 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 that interaction that they had like it just seemed like they were just on two completely completely different pages and maybe that'll serve the story later on but like aries was just kind of kind of bubbly and ecstatic in her own kind of way and cloud was brooding and reserved and you know he said he said this line like just like i'm involved in some things yeah oh boy um where it just kind of like man that was that kind of felt it felt like it May have missed the mark. Um, well, yeah. I mean, they're obviously that's the point is they're starting from such different places. Different but places, I do think yeah. I think I I hear you. I don't know if I'm crazy about the voice actor for Aerith. Yeah, so far, I, I don't know. I, we just Maybe, need to see more. Yeah, I mean, it's so little to go on at this point. Um, but I hope I hope that it's a fun relationship. Um, I do too. But yes, I, I definitely have those moments of like it doesn't quite feel doesn't feel smooth. Um, Jeff, oh, so Jeff Robinson's asking about favorite details, and then we have so many little ones to get to here. Uh, Caleb Murray says, you wanted little details? Well, okay. Can we talk about the fact that Cloud clearly not only shaves his armpits, but waxes them too? Is it a soldier thing? Aerodynamics? You think he full body waxes? Yes, I do. And he's beautiful for it. Uh, Nate McClellan. I do that too, so. Yep, Nate McClellan says, <laughs> that's why he specifically chose not to be on video for the video version of Deepest Dive. He's <laughs> accidentally waxed no, his No, actually, I up. wanted to be on video, and, he, and Ben wouldn't let me. <laughs> Because you'd be star of the show. <laughs> Nate McClellan says, In Seventh Heaven, behind the bar, above the door, is a picture with the camera angle used in the original Final Fantasy VII of Seventh Heaven. Also, the trophy percent for warming up, which is literally winning the first battle, is sitting at a 99.4 completion, which is wild. I thought it'd be at 100%. Uh, <laughs> and then Nate says, Keep up the great work. There ain't no stopping this train we're on. Hell yeah. Bob Buell says, The font on the countdown clock, you're escaping... Uh, the reactor core width is the same as the original Final Fantasy VII. This one made me so happy. Andrew Valla says, I love how Square Enix loved this game into being with their attention to small details. For example, when Cloud sits down at a rest stop, he'll adjust his sword so it doesn't clip into the bench. Most other games ignore that oh, detail. Cool. It's a little thing, but I'm tickled Square Enix took the time to animate that detail. Also, did you catch the old Final Fantasy VII save icon on some of the benches and in the top left corner of the screen while saving? I love it. Yeah, um, 
A little detail that I loved is, I, I think this is correct. Please hold me accountable, Internet. But the, there's posters around the Sector 7 slums for Avalanche overall, like, blow something up, Avalanche, or whatever their tagline is. And, uh, and it's like the font looks just like the graffiti that I'm obsessed with in the original Final Fantasy VII. Do you remember this? That's on the wall where you're climbing up the rope. And it says like, yeah. it says like Averil, like it because I remember yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. like it looks like they're trying to spell Avalanche, then just went off the rails, and it's that same font style for the official official Avalanche logo. Jeff, you're yeah, welcome to fall asleep at any point. That's, that's probably not the case. Really? All right, please, Internet, help me out. Um, Chase Klein says, "Is that wireframe map of Midgar straight out of the original game? It kind of looks like it. Um, it's damn close, and I love that. Have you checked it out on the world map? Like." going to Midgar and like rotating around that wireframe. Yeah, I yeah, I have um uh it was just kind of recent or like like way into the game where it's just like and you can zoom up by pressing square. Yeah. And that it shows it I'm like, "Oh my god, like" and then you you do it and it's just it's this kind of like wireframe. I'm like, "Oh, well, well I know that." Yes, it's, it's, it's the old classic. It's fun. Um, and then yeah. uh, Chase says, anyone else notice that uh, Cloud's animation where he shakes his head if he can't enter something is pretty much the same as the original? This sort of spastic shake looks a little odd with better graphics, but it's fun. Have you tried doing that, like going to a door you can't go into? No. He does like, the, like the classic line or the classic little animation, which is fun. Uh, Tyler Carver says, I love how all the NPCs comment as you walk past and a bunch of people ask, hell's up with that sword? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like that, uh, uh, like they they acknowledge that sword a lot. You yes. know, like even when you go into the weapon shop, it's just like now I have like a million orders for people wanting a sword just like yours. Yes, yes. Okay, like yeah, I really like that. Uh, Grim Feather says the one thing that's bothering me is that Cloud doesn't remove his armor or boots before getting into bed. Get that poor guy some pajamas. Yeah, we agree. Cloud needs pajamas. Beto Q ninety two. Don't forget his name. He said, "What in God's name is wrong with the doors on the apartment?" And then Charles Bean says, anyone else, notice the, anyone else notice the lack of texture on Stargazer Heights doors? It's driving me bananas. It's a beautiful game otherwise. Yes, that is, yes, we talked about it as, as well. But yeah, there's one door in particular that doesn't quite pop for me either. Um, Ronnie, do you think, without spoiling anything, do you think Stargazer Heights is like um, a Cloud Tifa reference? Yes. Powerful stuff. <laughs> Powerful. Uh, Matthew Paxton says, I keep hitting triangle to open the menu. Every time. Oh, I love it. I know it's the options button, but I've played so much of the original that it's instinctual. Yeah, I've had that as well. But I, I could tell I, this I, from I've Animal also Crossing. done that. Okay, good. It's kind of a funny thing. Uh, Joe Holaska says, so potion is an energy drink? What? I don't know. Is, it, is he talking about like the vending machines? Oh, that could be. I, I I haven't thought about that, but um, no, I, I no no. Okay, uh, Evan McHugh <laughs> says. Oddly enough, your first, you're wrong. Oddly enough, one of my favorite moments so far was when I first used a potion. Square signature effects, animation, and sound effects just gave me goosebumps, and I got super nostalgic for all the games I've played over the years with all those magical potion animations. That's very sweet. Now, Darkfish Days here. Again, this is all about getting specific. If you haven't noticed, um, Darkfish Days nailing it. He says. So Cloud's fee for the first reactor mission for infiltrating a guarded reactor, fighting oh off boy. military defenses, risking life and limb is 2,000 gil, and yet he gets paid 500 for killing some creatures in the abandoned factory? Cloud must have been pretty desperate when he agreed to help Avalanche. Yeah, I had that same... Um, God, I at the, at the very end of chapter 
four. There's that moment where, where Barrett, Barrett gives him money and he goes, like, don't say I never done anything for you. And he gives him 500 gil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, like, like 6,000 at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's like, like, thanks for the two dollars and 50 cents man like you find it like up a rat's ass while doing some side <laughs> like it's no big deal yeah and, and cloud yeah you know i i kind of like when when 500 gil showed up like i i thought cloud was gonna be like oh boy but no like he's he's like thank you for the two dollars and 50 cents <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, Edgar Vasquez says, I haven't played too many Final Fantasies, but I was recently, or I was actually a little surprised with how much Japanese the world, with how Japanese the world feels. I don't remember yeah. 10 or 12 or 13 giving off such a future Japan vibe, more of a standard magic sci-fi world. Signs are in Japanese. The houses, neighborhoods, and subway look Japanese. Was the original like this, or was it just to expand the world? The original is, like that, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but that's what I love about Midgar, is just what a weird hodgepodge it is. And like, there's a lot of signs in the original that are in Japanese, and then some in English, and like, weird combinations of them. So I love that some elements of that are still here. It looks like, yeah, yeah. it's like America and Japan's trash heap. Like, that's what Midgar is. <laughs> uh, Justin Jingles has a question for Kyle, basically, saying, did any of you beat the darts game with only six darts? Um, how, how many darts can you do? I think that's uh, like the top slot. S- seven is the the lowest amount you can beat. We- I think it's wedges score with. Uh, yeah. I didn't do six though. I'd, I got my trophy and moved down with seven. Yeah, I do want to beat it because I do really like that dart mechanic. I think it works really well, and I love that you're just playing three hundred one. It's fun, uh, yeah. and I love that like the finishing move is so overproduced. It's absurd. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, little moment I forgot to mention a thousand times, a thousand minutes earlier. Never mind. I'm sick of talking. Is the um. I loved in the Sephiroth scene afterwards when Cloud like has that first like, oh, what's happening? Um, and he says some line about like, oh, maybe it's a side effect of being near the Mako or something from the reactor. But before yeah. that, when it cuts, cuts from his vision back to reality, there's this close-up shot of Cloud and he just goes like, <laughs> like he just like breathes, like he's so wrecked by it and is such a good detail. Sorry. Oh, sure, I just yeah. had my yeah. own Cloud vision of that um well no no i like that's again something that like i feel like is a big component of just sort of like like cloud story and how he reacts to it like like it, it's just it feels kind of congruent with just like almost like post-traumatic stress disorder like yeah a, an invasive memory of a thing in his past um that just like presents itself in in in, in the present moment and just like how he deals with that is so cool because it like it just it 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 completely um takes over his entire body like that is that is his reality at that moment in time yeah. i i i think that's just so great um i think they're knocking out of the park with those yeah hey jeff um weird thing um where do you think this story is going if you were to try and guess what the rest of midgar is going to be like uh you blow up more reactors <laughs> Right. And <laughs> I honestly don't know beyond that. Yeah. Okay, Ben, thanks for um, chuckling um, <laughs> at, at that point, because honestly, <laughs> like that would 1 million percent be the place where I, where um, I think everybody would go. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's not outrageous at all. Um, I like, I like having these canned predictions of, I think it's fun to look back on. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like, like it's 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 fun to kind of see, like, you know, based on where the story's going and, and, and what it encapsulates right now, like, 
oh my gosh, like it could go so many different directions. Yeah. Where do you think the characters are going, Jeff? Um, run them all down. <laughs> run down the biggies. There's going to be some kind of love triangle with Tifa and Aerith and Cloud. Okay. Um, Barrett's daughter is going to die. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, and then, I don't know. I, 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 I still have no idea what's going on with Sephiroth if he's, if he is supposedly already been killed by Cloud. So he's having some kind of visions, but I don't know if that's if that's it. Right. I I I, I honestly can't I can't imagine what else it would be. But yeah. Uh, where where do you think um, Jesse and Cloud's relationship is going to go? Oh, uh, they're going to do some super boning. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Welcome to remake part two, super boning with Jesse and Cloud. <laughs> uh, yeah. What do you think about Avalanche? Uh. Like what they're gonna do in the future? Yeah, they're gonna keep blowing shit up. Fucking <laughs> start a riot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, that's fine. Um, so I I know, and I don't even want to say anything. I don't know where the remake's going. I know that people are debating things online. Um, and so I, it's such a stupid cagey thing. But like, I don't even want to say like the tone that some people are taking the remake in because I feel like it colors this perspective overall yeah but i'm trying to think of like changes that are coming up it seems like that the different sect of avalanche is probably going to be a big deal uh i've I've stayed very very pure i haven't been even like a hint of a spoiler anywhere yeah um so if we can keep those if we can keep those at bay that'd be sweet oh yeah 100 percent. yeah where do you think it's going grant what's your prediction for for changes overall here i don't i guess i don't want to speculate at this point where it might go because i don't want to I don't want to taint Jeff in any way. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's fair. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a great point. Um, and also just like, I have no idea, like um, based on just the differences between this and the original game so far, like I, I would not have guessed and they've worked great so far. So yeah, I, yeah, I just, yeah. I, I would have no everything, idea. but everything, but Roche is really good. I well, agree. you know, everything is agree great. To disagree. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Valla says, let's address the remake in the room here. When Square Enix first announced the Final Fantasy VII remake, I expected them to drop the ball on all the things I wanted. This is exactly what I wanted. Midgar is breathtaking. Yes. I'm blown away. Andrew Valla says, this is what a remake should be. Yes! <laughs> yeah. I think between, I mean, it's only been six hours, but between this and Resident Evil 2, yeah. my God. Yeah. This, my God, this is we've the, been spoiled. The golden age of remakes right now. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Our, our our generation is being serviced right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> serviced in a big bad Hard. Hard. <laughs> We're thirstier than Jesse here. Slow it down. Uh, Alex Grinling, a friend of the show on, on Twitter. He's a designer at Bungie now, but he designed a couple of Game Informer covers. He had a tweet that bummed me out where he said, like, parts of the Final Fantasy VII remake are so brilliant, and then other parts confirms in my mind that it is Final Fantasy VII's Twin Snakes. And that shook me to my core of like, <laughs> is that what this is? This is different than Twin Snakes, right? Am I nuts? I, I, I don't, I don't, again, I, I don't completely understand the analogy. Like, like what's, what's the idea of Twin Snakes? I think Twin Snakes um, means crawling up its own butt, overproduced, long cutscenes, getting too oh, bombastic sure. and silly for its own good. 
I didn't play Twin Snakes, so I can't what? help you with that one. Oh, really? Yeah, That's no, shocking. I didn't either. What? Um, Are you serious? I don't know you guys. No, I, I obviously haven't. You already know that. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Wrong crowd. I never uh, had a GameCube, so I, I'm out of, I missed that one. Jeez. Um, I, but I mean, yeah. if, if any game was going to crawl up its own ass, it seems like this should be the one of of just like blowing out everything that it possibly can. Isn't that isn't that yes. what fans want? Blowing it out its own ass. <laughs> <laughs> yes. and this, is, this is not like I, I feel like this is not going to get to the space of so like 2000 percent more overcomplicated than it than it should be type of space. Like I'm worried. Yeah, they're they're um. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Be worried. Is that a threat? <laughs> Be worried. The rest of us are going to have fun. I think with that's it. a silly thing to worry about. Okay. Honestly, you're right. You're probably right. Um, hey, thank you, everybody. You did it. Thank you, everybody that wrote in. Heroes. Yeah. Uh, great, each and every one. Great thoughts so far. What's that, Grant? Great thoughts so far. Really. Honestly, yeah. they're so much smarter than us, and just being able to channel uh, the hive mind of the internet is the best. Um, If you enjoyed this discussion or if you're watching this and you say, hey, I'd like to contribute some thoughts on the next chunk. uh, It's very easy. Support us on Patreon at any tier. Realistically, for $2, you can cancel your Patreon support after one month. We won't tell anybody. I won't tell Jeff. For $2, you can be a part of this whole thing and contribute your thoughts. Uh, We'd really appreciate it. We would definitely appreciate it if you told a friend about The Deepest Dive. If you have a friend that loves Final Fantasy VII, you say, hey, Turns out this is going to be the best, most thorough discussion about Final Fantasy VII Remake on the internet. Please help us share it. Uh, we're looking to grow this sucker because we got a lot we're of games to We're six hours in, too. I know. There's so <laughs> much to cover. Uh, so the next chunk, everybody, is going to be chapters five through nine. Okay. Just want to say to everybody also, that's the first time that I know that I can um, play up to. And now I'm very excited. Oh, there's yeah. five through nine. Yes. All right. Five through nine. And so that's going to be next week. The episode will be airing on April 22nd. We'll put up the call on patreon.com slash midnight two ends. Looking for your comments only on chapters five through nine, please, on April 20th. Uh, April 20th. So please get ready for that. Um, I don't know how long this is. Probably around the same length, maybe a little bit longer, but we're going to have some more Final Fantasy VII to soak into and hopefully have a lot more to say. And hopefully we can get Kyle back uh, next week because we're going um, every week here until this thing wraps up is the plan. So this was And then we're going to do it again. <laughs> Let's do it again. Uh, so <laughs> next week is chapter five through nine, just for a roadmap. The week after that is going to be chapters 10 through 14. And the week after that is going to be chapter 15 through everything else in the game. Uh, so we're going to have a fun time doing chapters? it. <laughs> no, there's, yes, did you say 50? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, you got it. Hey, that's it, everybody. Oh, my God. Thank you. And Ronnie and Grant, thank you for uh, recording a long podcast. Basically, your first podcast ever. How does it feel? Uh, I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm... <laughs> I'm scared of when I leave the room that I'm recording from, what's going to happen out there. <laughs> Certain loved ones saying, what are you doing in there, you idiot? I heard you yelling about Roche. All right. Well, in the in the immortal words of our savior, everybody, Vroom! <laughs> Materia!
Hello. Hi. Um, any feedback so far? Yeah, stop saying bop 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 so much. What, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's like a nervous tick, but you keep saying bop bop bop. Bop bop bop. I gotta, um, I gotta... <laughs> 